Talk Brunch. Served hot. Talk Brunch live. Rick Dara, a.k.a. Captain Brunch here on this December 7th night. Here with my co-host, Mr. Dustin Soglo Frazier. Really? That's all it took? That's all it took. You know, I feel like I've heard too much Scottish music in the last 24 <laughs> hours. I've been listening to a lot of Scottish music lately. I don't know what it is. I don't know why it is. And I don't know how it is. But it is what it is. Don't you feel that way? I mean, considering one of the songs on my Amazon music playlist is a Scottish bagpipe rendition of Enter Sandman. Mm. Just bring back Broken Dreams. I never thought I'd say that, but good lord. Broken Dreams and written in my face. Just bring them back. We remember them despite what you think. Yeah, tell me about it. Well, it's been a very interesting week in the world of wrestling. I have to say that this is probably one of the more unique weeks. If there was ever a week that I wouldn't take off, not that I ever take off a week, but it would definitely be this one because holy crap, a lot of stuff happened that I wasn't expecting. Both good, some bad. So we're going to get into all of that tonight. Shout out to all of you guys listening in our chat rooms. We'll shout you out at the end of the show, as always. And, of course, everybody listening on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, TalkBrunch.com, Twitch.tv, slash TalkBrunch, Facebook.com, slash TalkBrunch, all of our platforms. Oh, boy. we got a stacked show. I'm not going to lie. Hopefully it won't take long. Yeah. Stacked doesn't necessarily mean length, but there's a lot of topics and things that I want us to cover. Uh, with stuff that's going on. But as always, we usually tend to start these with something fun. So let's see what we got on our old program here. So Total Bellas, I know you're probably cringing. Like, how the hell did he say fun? And then he went to Total Bellas. <laughs> right? I haven't looked at these. As you guys know, I just stack the program and then I run it all through with you. But I saw the title and I just, I put it immediately at the top of the list. Uh, apparently... It says Daniel Bryan on hallucinogens during Total Pellas. I don't know if it's clickbaity. I don't know if it's clickbaity, but I thought (laughs) it sounded honest enough. All right, let's see what we got going on here. I do not even understand what's going on right now. What do you mean? I keep getting these random text messages from Brian. I am father. father. You You are mother. mother. And the middle name for our son is going to be Fire. Fire. Ooh. What the hell? Wow. Bree knows that I have had a fascination with hallucinogens. <laughs> oh, is that all they give us? Really? Is he going to go out there and trip and they're not going to show us? <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. And I got to start watching Total Bells. Now we have to tune in. That was the, that was the strategy, <laughs> right? They got me. Those bastards. You bastards. Those crafty bastards. Daniel (laughs) Bryan on hallucinogens. They did it good too, right? Like I like the heartbeat sound in the commercial. Made me feel like I was playing Far Cry again. (laughs) Oh my God. That is something else, man. That that guy is a personality. I wonder if it's, is it a shoot? Is it legal? I don't even know. I don't know anything about hallucinogens. Uh, anyway, I dropped that and I shared it to all of our platforms. Just so those of you who want to see that. 
that show's interesting, you know. At least when the guys are on, I, think, I find the guys interesting when I've seen it more than the uh, the girls. As funny as that may seem, yeah, yeah, I mean it's true. Yeah, it's really out there. All right, well, on our next bit of funny business, this is one of those things where I thought that uh, I misheard or misread or something. Those are my favorites. So here's Devon. I'm not even going to say what this is. I'm going to just let you hear Devon Dudley and what he's up to. I'm out here in L.A. doing, producing, helping to produce a show with uh, Alexa Bliss and uh, Charlotte. It's uh, Punky Brewster. It's an old 80s show here uh, in America that we uh, basically used to watch as a kid. And now it's come back like everything else has from the 80s. And so now I'm out here producing and helping and choreographing just like I do in WWE right now. I got to say, old 80s shows coming back are becoming more terrifying than old 80s murderers like Jason and Freddy coming back. (laughs) You know, do you even remember Punky Brewster? I was born in 92. So, nah. (laughs) Shit. Yeah, man. Dodge that bullet. Oh, oh, man. So you don't remember Punky Brewster at all? No. I heard the name, but I don't remember Punky Brewster. Holy shit. They took it way back. I'll watch it on one condition. If I get the phrase, Punky, get the tape. See, I was going to. Let me see. If I have to now. Ha- <laughs> we're going to hold up the show now because I have to look up Punky Brewster <laughs> for you and put it on the screen. I don't even know what's going to come up. I've never done. I'm going to fuck up my YouTube algorithm now. Every time I come on, he's going to be like recommended Punky Brewster, different strokes, facts of life. <laughs> yeah, if you people are uneducated with YouTube, the second you start something up once, that's it. Yeah, it fucks you over big time. Remember how long I was watching gambling careful videos? careful with that shit. Oh, my God. I remember for, for like six months, your YouTube was just nothing but fail videos. Did this thing even have a fucking opening? So you know this shit was way back when it wasn't even opening. What did it do? Just come out? Bam, punky. It just comes out. <laughs> I think I found. I think I found it. I don't remember. Bam, punky. I don't even remember it well enough to remember the opening, if there was one. It's not like when I see it, I'm gonna be like, oh. And if I do, I'm gonna be really depressed at how old I am. Oh wait, see, they're gonna try to add us. Add us for Punky Brewster. It existed before this ad. <laughs> Should I write that one down? Ads for Punky? Question mark. And there goes our, our our listener base. These guys are talking about Punky Brewster during during what could be the biggest crossover. <laughs> Screw everybody here. Oh, so this is just the theme. No, so see, there really wasn't a way. There really wasn't like a Punky Brewster um theme song. I'm gonna assume. That's the next level. Oh, is that somebody help me Punky out? Didn't have, if Punky didn't have a theme song, Punky go have one now. Damn it. <sighs> Yeah, There's a know. thousand things I expect Devon Dudley to be doing, and producing Punky Brewster reboot was not one of them. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what they were going for with that. But like when you said, "Just listen," I I was trying to think of everything in my head that he could have been doing. I even went as far as okay, Devon's directing porn. It wouldn't Didn't be the I first one. Punky to, was, wasn't it Bubba who who used to direct porn? I don't know. I don't, I what what. I feel like somebody used to direct porn. What wrestler was it? It wasn't Bubba? I don't think... I know freaking Luther Reigns was dating a porn star, married to one. No, no, no. Somebody definitely directed porn. I think it was Bubba. You could try Googling it. It might might have been Bubba. All right. This is is apparently the opening here. Oh, God. It's very generic. Look, 
Look at that. That probably took all of the data and the fucking PC they used to make that. <laughs> I do not remember this. I feel so much younger now. I remember the character. <laughs> what in the fresh hell? It was you don't know, no, 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 I'm going to do one better. I'm going to take a line from Weekly Plan, a.k.a. Ashley. What the French fries did you just put on this fridge? <laughs> You're not even hand user. <laughs> Fuck it. She'll pop it later. I'll tell her I use a line, damn it. I think that's how you could really mess somebody up. Not that we could could do it, but in a fictitious world, I think the, the worst fate. And not that I, I mean, there were good things back then, but I mean, imagine if you were stuck in the 80s because it's like everyone talks about nostalgia and stuff because it's optional. Let's not forget it. Write it down. Nostalgia is optional. That might be the name of the episode. But um, I, what I mean by that, like, imagine if you had to watch Punky Brewster, like not just a sitting here like, oh, you know, Punky Brewster, this were a different time. Like, imagine if you were just time warp, just to the 80s. And I like to prehistoric times or something. You're just in the 80s now. Now you got to watch 80s wrestling. It's okay to go on a network and tune into it, but every single week. Now you got to watch like Saturday Night Main That's Event. You, you got to watch Punky Brewster. You know, Alf is on and shit. Like you're not going to have any new stuff. You're going to have to play your Atari 2600 for your games. Mrs. Pac-Man and Galaga. Russian attack is as hardcore as it gets. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do, you know? Look, look, work your way back up to the N64. Work your way back up to the That's when you do. Because would you even be able to at that point? Like mentally, I think you'd be in a different place. Like if you knew everything you knew now, then it would be a nightmare. I'd be like, fuck, we're only up to, I'm only up to Super Mario 3. It's going to be a nightmare. There's like a There's year before the SNES comes out. <laughs> Imagine being that kid where you know freaking Aeris is going to die in Final Fantasy 7, but nobody else does. Yeah, you know, I would probably just carve out a different path. I'm like, you know, the oh, last time, last time, what didn't I get to play on the first run? I don't know. I don't know if that would really work, though. There's no, not no, a lot I'm of content gonna, gonna back you, then. I'm going to tell you exactly what you go go back and play. What was the, what was the fucking uh, the game? MC Kids or something like that? The fucking McDonald's <laughs> game. The McDonald's game. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that not. That is my favorite fucking retro stream. But also, no, back when we used to do retro streams like a lot, it was just one McDonald's game. And every time you finished the level, the kids showed up and high-fived you. And what were we saying during war games? We were just like, you should just throw that shit. There's just other games just for no reason. You could play a raid in Destiny. That kid just shows up and fucking. <laughs> Yo, there was a Punky Brewster cartoon also. Are you fucking kidding? Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> I remember this. I'm looking at it here. I'm trying to find one that's not just a song. How long is this? This can't be the this can't be the actual thing, is it? Was it that long? This is like a minute nineteen. It's like a Cody Rhodes intro. <laughs> you know, I kept I, the reason I'm installing because I've been trying to find the one that I thought wasn't just the full song. But no, this isn't the full song. This is the fucking intro. All right, let's see if we get this up on the screen. A oh, minute nineteen seconds. Of- that doesn't even begin to equate to the listener, the listener drop, because nobody even knows who the fuck Punky Brewster is. <laughs> All right, let's see what the hell this is gonna be. Oh my god, I do remember this. You know, oh, this this sounds familiar. This is upsetting. Wow, that is rough. I don't think that in the original yeah, Punky Brewster she went to like an elf world. That's what this looks like. Did I take some of Danny Barnes' hallucinogens? I don't remember this shit. 
I do remember the song, though, Punky Booster. So this must have happened. It's canon. Jesus. Is Alexa Bliss Punky Brewster? No, I'm kidding. I know they're just directing and helping with the... Uh, you fuck around and watch that video. Thank you. Okay, I can't take it anymore. I can't fucking oh, take yeah, it. Turn it off. Turn it off. That is rough. Yeah, who's gonna do? Who's gonna do Blossom? Right, Lana and Oscar. Now, how's that gonna work? You see the Devon? You see the fucking detour you took us on? Yeah, I never thought that uh, Devon, ECW Devon, would be doing Punky Brewster. It just goes to show that we are definitely in an alternate timeline for some reason. You know. There's no way in hell that, that any of the ECW originals would be out here doing Punky Brewster. But the fun doesn't end there because we actually have the trailer of this reboot. It's not like they're just in, in pre-production. This shit is wow. ready. You ready to watch some Punky Brewster? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Good to see you, Punky Brewster. Mom, you put on two different shoes. Haven't done that in a while. Still works. Raising three kids alone isn't easy. Oh. I had to grow up. Ish. It's helped me rediscover my punky power. Wait a minute. Are you kidding me? So it's going to be like her as a mom? It's, it's my punky power. You can't have punky power as a mom, can you? Amen. I thought it was going to be like a reboot. This is actually her coming back as a fucking... Is it, is it the actual... Does she reprise her role? How weird would that be, right? The whole thing's weird. Shit, one. Hmm. And it's done by the same people who did uh, Save by the Bell, the Peacock Network, oh, this new NBC uh-huh. standalone <laughs> service. I smell crossover. You're going to see Zach's kids hanging out with Punky Brewster, Punky Brewster's kids. How weird is this? As weird as ECW's Devon doing a Punky Brewster reboot. So. Yeah, you know what we need to do? We need to get sitcom ultimate stars. They can take all of the parents and put them in like a sitcom fucking... of their own. I'm serious. <laughs> take all the parents, put them in a sitcom of their own. T- fucking Corey and Topanga. And Zach and freaking Kelly and Slater and Jesse and Punky Brewster and uh freaking There's people out uh, there listening right now like who the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> and uh who else? The, what what do you call it? All of the all of the moms in uh full house, the current mom, you know, like all of these adult characters now. How weird is that, right? Has anyone tried to contact Jaleel White to see if him and uh Laura wanna have like a son, have like a like a kid kid Urkel? Oh, shit. That's what they're doing. Anyone not listening to this live is going to wonder why the hell the Talk Brunch Twitter is tweeting out Punky Brewster stuff. Yeah, well, that's why you listen to the show. Yeah, exactly. Get your fucking act together and get in here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we have not been covering the New Japan Pro Wrestling Super J Cup because I can't. It's impossible. There is no way to be able to watch the amount of wrestling that comes out of that company it's been fucking crazy if you've been able Even to do it, I've, good oh, for you <laughs> I, I you know what it is like I, i've realized with world tag league and super j cup i literally am going to have to set like a day aside for it because holy shit you know what it is i thought i could go from g1 straight back into that nah nah <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm gonna get that shit before Wrestle Kingdom, but damn it, my god, like, yeah, no, that is something else. Uh, well, we're finally finding out that Leo Rush, Lionel Green, now known, is gonna be coming to the Super J Cup. Yeah, his first one, 
Yeah, there's somebody who uh, who knows how to work that thing. And he actually released a pretty interesting video package. I don't know if you saw it. But, uh, oh, I have not gotten to see it yet. I've heard of it. Leo, Leo, Leo. Where were you the night of April 30th? Hmm? Leo. The silent game's not gonna work. How'd he bust through four inches of solid concrete? How'd he do it? What are they talking about, the juggernaut? I don't know what the hell you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Kozai, Kozai. What the hell are you doing in here? You sure did. I think this thing crosses over with that new Yakuza game. Is that just how they release you from prison? I want to put these on. So anyone who's listening to the podcast here, they released Leo Rush, Japanese Yakuza come and release Leo Rush from prison. And they bring him to a wrestling ring. I say it's time. Get in the ring. Climb in the ring. We got a little video sequence. It's up on our social media, so you should check it out there for sure. funny i don't know if it's because i've been watching it on tubi uh it reminded me of the way lucha underground used to introduce new people it would be like a really dramatic and like action-packed vignette but yeah that was that was dope oh is that what you watch on tubi sometimes see on them what the hell could possibly be on there yeah apparently they have they have all four seasons so you see me on there for like hours at a time i'm just running through the shit like (laughs) unbelievable and I guess it'll never be seen again, huh? It's one of those things. I mean, I mean, hey, huh? <laughs> I get to relive that fucking half like half life like cliffhanger at the end. So, yep. So, 
Ronda Rousey, as we've spoken about briefly previously, has been training with Roddy Piper's daughter, Teal Piper. It seems like Ronda is preparing for some sort of a in-ring return, which will be wonderful. We can use her right about now. And I That's how committed I am here. to training. We're going through fucking fire. Trial of fire to get to training. Okay, we're going to pass through all of this Fire, shit. This filming, training, commitment. Also going to share this on the social media so you guys listening on the man can check out Ronda. Because the COVID, they like, you have to shut the doors for good. So I literally had nowhere to train and no one to train with anymore. <laughs> so. She's going to train with Teal Piper. She came to LA to work with, with another WOW, Women of Wrestling. And uh, I think like COVID, la di da, everything club pause. She like tore her knee out right away. And so like she just got like approved to start doing stuff like on her knee again. Like cutting back and forth, like 100, like yeah, go me. Um, so we're, she's just getting back into training, kind of like you know, learning the basics and stuff. And I've never even learned the basics. They're just like fucking WrestleMania, go three times. Yeah, I always tell people like I was, became an MMA fan because of Ronda, and then of course when she got into wrestling. You know, I was just even more excited about that. So it's been really cool to get to learn from her and train with her and spend more time with her. And then to find out she's a freaking nerd, by the way. Super nerd. Good like big nerd. <laughs> oh my god, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> then we started yeah, kind of like really talking about World of Warcraft well, you know and playing together. She's like, you gotta join my guild and yeah. quest. So she is a Vegeta. She is team Vegeta. And get a training session in. And then um, I have this wild commercial uh, this week for. Uh, yeah, we saw the wild commercial last week. Remember that? And weird as hell. Like, <laughs> we're gonna do like an MMA spot, and then I was talking to director Rob, who's fucking awesome from uh, It's Always Sunny, Philadelphia, and Mythic uh, Quest. And I was like, dude. Yeah, I'd like to see a little bit more of like, this dude, training with them. I yeah. totally did an episode with Piper, and I'm like, dude, I'm like training with his daughter. But yeah, I missed the hell out of Ronda, man. She really saved wrestling for a year, her and Becky. people and, you know, physical people or whatever, they know more about this stuff than, you know, we do. So I would, like, want to take a cue from you and, like, what you want to do. I think she'll come back better than ever, considering how good she was and how natural she was that first time, you know? Centio in the corner. Here's body shots. Here the horn. Turn around and be like, one horn? Go and do the horn bit. On the other turnbuckle, she comes behind me, forearm in the back. Pow. I take the turnbuckle to the face. Pow, pow. Fall to the ground. She falls me in the elbow drop. Pow. Gives me some fucking hold. And I'm like, oh, my God, a horn. I need to call the shark. Boops. It's like, yeah. Send me a video of it there. I'm like, okay, cool. Is she drinking bang? Oh, she is out. drinking bang. That's funny. I drink bang too. I'm drinking bang right now. That's very cool, man. Better than raw. Oh, yeah. You say it like that's difficult. <laughs> yeah, so. And she's trained on. Doesn't look like she's trying to have a kid to me. Yeah. I, th- I think I think once like the second person beats you to the punch, she's just like you know, Travis already has kids. <laughs> I think we're good. Yeah, come on, Travis, what you doing? Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, hey, we might get a 
not only Ronda back, she would get Teal in there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, where has she worked? Justin Wow? I think so. I'd love to see what that girl can do. Yeah, for sure. Would be interesting. So, uh, Maranalo came up in the news very recently. As a matter of fact, in the last few hours, this came up. Uh, he had a podcast where he spoke to post-wrestling. And the majority of this podcast is about his experience uh, commentating the Tyson fight, Tyson Jones fight. But he does have a segment where he opens up about why he left WWE and what actually happened. And uh, breaking the breaking the fourth wall here a little bit, uh, that's actually the reason I was a little bit late getting on here tonight for the live stream. Because just before I was about to hit the button, I saw that. And I kind of had to decide, am I going to be late and uh, have this or am I going to be early and uh, a week will go by and we will not talk about what Marlon Ronaldo said about WWE. And I just made the difficult choice. I was like, fuck it. <laughs> I kind of want this on the show. So, uh, yeah, let's take a look here and see uh, and, and listen to what what Morrow's experience was, uh, because we did talk about the fact that this was going to come up again. You know, you and I in the past when the. Uh, we said that one day in the future, all of the stuff's going to come to light. Oh, yeah. it always does. Yeah, and this is definitely probably going to be some of it. WWE is in one of the most mentally grueling places, and that's not necessarily uh, a criticism by any means. There's a reason uh, Vince McMahon has built a multi-billion dollar empire. Is it perfect? Not by any means, but neither am I. And I, I chose at a late age in life, 46 to to go to WWE when they courted me, it was a dream come true. I wanted to work for WWE as a play-by-play announcer because I thought it would be not only uh, an affirmation of my accomplishments and my achievements and and what who I am as a broadcaster, but because the connection I had with pro wrestling going back to the very beginning of my life. One of the few things that my father, mother, and my siblings really bonded around, and and so pro wrestling has always had. Uh, a special place in my heart. And I did visualize. I remember my best friend, uh, Michael John Jansen, who passed away at 19. Uh, when I went to pick him up at, at his college uh, when he was 18, out of the blue, he says to me, he goes, I can't wait for you to work with Vince McMahon or for Vince McMahon. He never got to live to see that. So it, making WWE was very special to me for many reasons. Now, I thought Jerry Lawler and, and Byron Saxton and I had instant chemistry, but, but they made the changes they, they felt they had to make. It's their company. I, I've proven I can work with almost anyone as a broadcaster. But yeah, there were many times where I'm like, what is going on here? Like uh, a four-man booth, an eight-man. There was a picture someone had on Twitter where there were literally eight people on headsets. I get it. But that's not what I want as a commentator. I get these stressful situations. I get uh, the changes on the fly or it, it's just the system there. But for me and my mental health, uh, even moving to NXT, where when we were live, it was the best experience I could ask for. And that's a testament to to what Triple H and and everyone down in NXT has done. Um, I I just felt for my own mental health and, and it was becoming more and more apparent. Uh, doing the show even from home. And I know, God bless his soul, Jim Cornette and many people. How the hell can this guy quit a high-paying gig, high-profile gig, of which there are so few in this world, 
and, and, and actually be, he could, he could do the show from his home. They were allowing him to do the show from home remotely. How could he leave? I, I, it was to the point that I, I would have panic attacks in the morning of the, the, the recordings of the last uh, few months. Wow. And, and then I just, I didn't like, with all due respect, I didn't like what was happening with the, who was involved in all respect to all announcers. But I, I also believe in chemistry and maybe I was the problem. I went on show day. I'm not in, I, I'm not a great guy to be around because I'm completely effing focused. I'm prepared and I expect everyone else to be the same. And, and so there you go. You know, there was another reason I, I'm a play by play announcer. I think I'm one of the better ones in the business and I don't need, uh, you know, I just, I need to be, I need to be left alone at times. And so I want to thank WWE for everything. They have improved my standing in the world. They've allowed me, I believe, to get other opportunities. The fan base, uh, and their treatment of yours truly, their support of my documentary. There will never be, and I know this business feeds off it. Ah, oh, let's, let's tell all the shoot interview. The shoot is this. It was like my life filled with highs and lows, trials and tribulations. Sometimes, you know, when the dream comes true, it doesn't necessarily remain a dream. Sometimes you're not supposed to meet your heroes. I am blessed that I met everyone. I am so thankful I got to work with one of the most creative minds, one of the greatest promoters ever in Vince McMahon. Did we see eye to eye? No, but I think that was also a respect he had for me and the one I have for him. He has his vision and I have my vision and, and NXT was my vision. And unfortunately, like everything else, I, it just became too much for me. And, and, and uh, I'm at a stage now where, where I can't, I need to be comfortable. What do you think? Eight men? Damn. Yeah, that, right. that part is believable. But yeah, they're like, he does have a point when it came to like how crazy some of those commentary teams used to get like, all you need is two people and you're good. Yeah. And like we've heard sometimes even kind of from Renee how stressful it can be on that commentary table. Mm. And I noticed um watching the fights and when I've seen him in Pride and other places, you never hear him complain about those places, but then again it's usually because they just let the guys go. Yeah. So it's like I can I can understand where he comes from definitely with that point. I kind of feel when I see when I hear from Morrow. I understand him 100%. Um, I think that it's important for anyone who doesn't understand or feels that they don't have a full grasp, or even if you think you have a full grasp, you probably don't. If you've never gone on to do any kind of a live broadcast, because again, he said he was having panic attacks in his house, having to do this over the internet in front of a mic. And a lot of you would think, what in the hell? You know what I mean? Easiest job, high pay. Absolutely. For sure. No question about it. But again, before you... uh judge him anyone who's never been on a live broadcast small live stream whatever i suggest you do it not recording but just do something live uh and i'm not saying it's grueling or it's terrible but what i'm saying is that a lot of the time when you have to do live broadcasting the attentiveness that you need you're tapping into a different kind of energy within yourself in order to be able to do that you know and like any other muscle uh the more you you work it the stronger it gets that's sort of, but nonetheless, it's a muscle and it needs time. You need rest, you need to relax, you need to prepare it. Uh, so I understand where Mauro is when he says that on the days that it was time for him to do that, he's on game. He wants to be left alone. He wants to make sure that he does everything on point. Okay. Because when you're a commentator, when you're doing any kind of radio, when you're Howard Stern, when you're doing anything, at the end of the day, the, the disadvantage, even though some people see it as an advantage, is that you're not stimulating uh, 
as many senses of your demographic as your audience, if you will, as if there were visuals. You're a radio person. That means that the attentiveness is to your voice, what you're saying, how you're articulating yourself, what's coming out of your mouth, whether you're contradicting yourself, using words correctly, sounding stupid, all of that kind of stuff. And these are things that are in the subconscious, but a lot of the time they manifest themselves when you're new to your consciousness. And that being said, it's a hurdle that a lot of people have to be able to jump over. It's not easy to come onto something and just talk and know what you're going to say. And a lot of the time when in Marvel's case, you got to adjust and adapt to the fact that the circumstances around you are changing as you're speaking because it's unpredictable, not just in wrestling, but in sports. You don't know what's going to happen ahead of time. Can't have a script. So uh, a lot of the time for a lot of these commentators, people, performers, stand up comedians, people in general, if you've ever really looked at a documentary of anyone who's ever done anything talented, they're, they're different people. They're very different personalities from what you would consider normal or what society would consider normal. They do have their traditions and their ways of doing things, their rituals. They do need to be left alone. This is the reason why we have so many shots of wrestlers just before they go out to gorilla position, somewhere in a corner, squatting down by themselves, facing the corner with their hands over their head or something like that. Sometimes people just need that before they go out there and they do that because there is a tension and there is a release and there is an anxiety. Once you overcome that, yeah. you know, it's limitless as far as what you can do. But I can yeah, understand what Marvel would, would want to be. You got Yeah, because yeah, everybody has their little uh, tricks and trades to get through it. Like one of my favorite ones is uh, actually Jeff Hardy. I've seen cases where you'll catch Jeff in go position and he's just screaming, and it's just yeah. it's that little pre-ritual just to kind of go like, shoot, I'll break the fourth wall, my damn self here. When for those of you, for you guys who usually hang out in the chat room while the uh, standby music is going, when I'm there. I have that muted. I have all my stuff muted, and I'm just sitting here. I don't move. I don't talk. I damn near blink. It's just because it's getting the nerves out. It's kind of just getting yourself in that in that live stream mentality. It's kind of something where you just kind of like get in the sense getting yourself kind of dialed in. Yeah, and making sure like you're ready to go. And I'm right there with you. For me, it changed over the years. Like there were points where I would feel that way. I would be in silence. I would be prepared. I'd be. Then after a while, to be honest, like it sort of changed with me. Where it's like it's more of a relaxed state. Because whenever you're doing anything on air, there's always your on air personality where you dial yourself up a little bit. I would say, and then there's the actual you. And I think the more you do things and the more comfortable you get, the more the two meld together and actually become a comfortable fusion. If you yeah. will, I'm definitely and, uh, playing at that point. I think. Yeah, and I think for me, that whole thing of preparing or anything, like, it's not the same anymore. Like, the program, of course, but me needing to prepare, that's not really the same as it used to be. Like, a lot of the time, I'm the opposite. Like, when I'm here, um, I'll have USA on in the background. Like, I was watching Ms. and Mrs. all the way pretty much up until I went on here. Um, or, I'll, you know, have something on or I'll be doing something. Uh, I don't really take us or anything too seriously anymore. I think that's a big mistake that people make, especially if you're doing things as an amateur. Uh, not at a level of a moral. Yeah, don't take yourself or anything that you're doing too seriously because nobody really cares. It's not really that serious. And once you're comfortable in your own skin, no amount of production value and no amount of uh, being politically correct or being articulately correct is going to just replace you being comfortably correct, <laughs> if you will. You know? So yeah. with Mauro, I think it's hard to do that, though. You have people in your headset telling you who you have to be, what you want to say, how, what, how you have to do it, when you want to say it. And then at the same time, in a sense, judging you when you don't do it exactly how and the way that they want it. They're not out there doing it themselves, but yeah. they want you to do it. It's like that. So, so I can get That's at a that point. kind just, of stress right there. Yeah, at that point, you just be like, screw it. Like, imagine if you and I came on here and we, we were talking, but there were times on top of having a program that we have to follow and time that we're trying to sort of keep up on and what's on the screen and a chat. Imagine if someone was in your head 
telling you at certain times in the middle of your sentences while you're trying to talk to me to make sure you get in this sentence, you know. Make sure that you say heels or all baby faces at least four times during the next uh, segment that we talk about AEW. Can you imagine that? Because that's what that's the way that the instructions come through. So now, on top of having to look at what's on your screen, keep up with what time it is, keep up with where you are and what's coming up on the program and what's playing on the video, you have to now remember and count in your head how many fucking times you said heels or all baby faces. You know what I mean? Like it would, it would be that, that, that little thing for me, to be honest, cause I'm an amateur, that little thing for me would be a tipping point. That would add a high enough percentage of stress that I might just say, nah, I'm not going to do it at all then. So imagine that. And then they have all kinds of things that they want you to say. All kinds. And then you have to remember what not to say. You can't say belt. It might accidentally slip. I grew up saying belt. You're going to tell me I can't call the fucking title the belt. I call it the title sometimes. I sometimes call it the strap too. They hate when you say strap. I have to be really careful about those kind of things. You know what I mean? Imagine not being able to say wrestler, you know, imagine being freaking uh, Dana Brooke and saying Mia Yim like she did tonight instead of, (laughs) you know, it's like, but that's a major factor. But with the commentators, they really like nitpick on them with what they can and what they're not allowed to say. And it's just, it must be really stressful to have to worry about that. As it is, I worry about checking myself and not, not saying certain things. So imagine having your own filter and then on top of that, having like a few other people filter. And it's all going in real time at the same time. After all, you would probably be like, no, that's what's causing the anxiety. So I, I really feel for the guy. Like, I get it, man. I totally get where he's coming from. Yeah, I mean, you could tell when the fights were going, you could kind of almost sense he was enjoying himself a little bit more. He was a little bit more relaxed because he just got to go with just what he wanted to go with. Yeah. And it's always been that case anytime he's done anything outside of the WWE. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I feel for you, Marl, man. Like, it, it's it's crazy. It's a crazy situation to have to be in. Uh, but we'll hear from more of him, I'm sure, over the years, you know. Oh, for sure. anywhere. He's been longer with Showtime than anyone else. Anyway, he even talks about that. And I highly recommend you guys listen to the whole thing. He talks about how the people in Showtime are his close friends, and he feels most comfortable. He wants to work only with people he's close with at this point in his life. He wants to be comfortable. That's what he says in the elaboration. So don't forget, go listen to that. And, yeah, good luck, Marl. Yeah, good luck to you. See mm-hmm. you down the road. So, um, did you see that Liv Morgan documentary? The, uh, what was it called? Um, Live Forever. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, I watched it. Maybe this, maybe this is me being a grouchy old man, right? And I only just thought of this as you said it, but I'm kind of over it. I get it. Her name is Liv. Liv Morgan. You can use the word Liv in a lot of different clever ways that will mean live as in live Morgan and also live as in you need to live, which is why she can live forever. And you only live once. And you know what I mean? I get it already, but I feel like they're beating me over the head with the shit, you know, Isn't that what they do though. They're worse with the live than, than, than fucking uh, this guy riddle is with the bro. At least Riddle's creative with it though. <laughs> and at least he's being obnoxious on purpose. They don't think they're being obnoxious. They think they're being dramatic because the word live is in it. They should just make her into obnoxious heel who just uses Liv and everything. I'm going to go watch Lord of the Rings with Liv Tyler. Oh. It's just weird, you know? I'm going to go watch Living Single <laughs> on Netflix. <laughs> it's just weird. Anyway, let's get to the documentary. Let's get to this fucking documentary. So, um, apparently WWE, some people in WWE were critical. According to Fightful Select, people in WWE were critical of this Live Forever documentary. And uh, I, when I was watching, I have to say, no shit. I was, it was amusing to me to, to, that, that goes to show what I've always said. The WWE is oblivious to their faults because here they are trying to tell the story and they think they're painting it in a heroic way. And everyone who saw it, 
Every people, every person of sort, every sheep person of sort, they thought the same thing. All they did was expose themselves because it just made them look like assholes for an entire like it wasn't even about live. It was about how stupid they are because it's this yeah. girl who's coming into a company. She's a good example for anyone who doesn't understand what today's podcasts are talking about with with uh up and coming talent. She's this exciting girl who really doesn't have much of a backstory, which is why it's silly that they gave her a documentary. And but she's all excited about all these things that might happen and should happen and could happen and then for some reason don't happen. And then all these terrible plans that are given and then change and then at the end it just kind of goes, well, hopefully one day. And that was it. It was just like, it makes them look bad. The way it shows them pull people out of gorilla at the last, um, you know, freaking minute. You have to, the left hand has to not know what the right is doing for you to be running a company like that. And you to tell me, because I, I obviously we're not in the business, but we know enough at this point, as much as they want to try to discredit sheets and podcasts and news outlets and shit. I think we know enough at this point to be able to say that there's a little bit of irresponsibility when you're yanking somebody just before they go through gorilla position. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like this is a professional fucking company in every way except that. You have to be there at a certain time. You have to show up and follow a certain code. And you have to have your stuff done in your wardrobe. And you have to look, have a certain look and everything else they expected of you to have. And you're telling me that they can't fucking tell you before you get to Gorilla what the match is. Somebody just realized that. Who had to speak to who? Because I don't want to hear this. On, this isn't like the 80s or the 70s. You're not running down hallways and knocking on conference doors. All of you motherfuckers have chat rooms. You all have phones. Not only that, but you could pull four or five people into a conference text message so that everyone's talking at the same time. You and I have had to do it when we've had bigger teams and it's worked fine. So can, somebody fucking explain to me the logic. Knowing how technology works, even for us to do our small little shitty production here, can someone explain to me how that message does not get conveyed? Because again, when Destin and I have needed to with just two buttons, under 20 seconds, when we've made a decision, hey, we need to talk to six or seven people about a big show we're doing. Within fucking a minute, we've had them all on a chat and we're all just casually typing and conveying messages back and forth with a conference room. Why would, why is it, they make it seem whenever shit happens with them. Balancing their own personal lives too. They Yeah, they make it seem, and that's something that I hate, because WWE gives this weird mental projection that if you allow your mind's eye to trick you, it'll make sense, but it really doesn't. They make it seem like whenever they make a decision or a choice, they have to send the fucking raven. Like Jon Snow, you know what I mean? They make it seem like literally, like he's in his office and he literally like has to write with a fucking quill and dip it in ink what the thing is, and then roll it up, tie it, and send it to her, and it fucking flies down the hallway across the parking lot. I don't understand how. With the way technology works, someone didn't know something just before you're about to go through Gorilla on your fucking billion dollar production on television. Or even if it's a house show, because I believe it was a house show. But whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, it was a dark match. Apparently. It's just so weird, right? Yeah. So just because I just because when I saw this particular part of it, I couldn't wait to talk about it. What we're alluding to is there's a particular moment in this documentary where it's supposed to be a dark match between Ember Moon and Liv Morgan. This is in between that little period when she disappeared for a few months and then came back as this rebirth Liv. And their whole logic is they shut it down 30 seconds before these girls are about to go out, which I think it pulled shit like that before WrestleMania. In fact, it was 30 years the streak died. And their whole logic was, oh, nobody can see her until the big reveal. Then why make the match? Doesn't make any sense. It's silly. And, uh, they're showing this and they're trying to paint it in a positive light. Like, oh, this is her journey. Now, we can get back into that a little bit more. But I want to talk before I forget about what bothers me in regards to Liv's journey. Uh, now, it's safe to say, and I think you agree with this, that in just the last few years alone, wrestling has changed in the sense that, in a way, not just because of, the, well, I think mostly because of a change in our culture, it's involved women more. 
not just the women in the ring, but the fans and in the corporate level. You know what I mean? If you were to really look back at the Attitude Era, there weren't as many women wrestling fans. And they were sort of painted in a different light. They were women wrestling fans for the guys. They were A lot of them were take off your top women wrestling fans. You know what I mean? Like exactly. the DX ones and stuff. You get where I'm going. And uh, oh, yeah. So you have these women wrestling fans. And uh, what concerns me now is that they're pulling in the kind of fan that is sort of unhealthy in my opinion. And I hate to say it this way and I'm trying not to cross any lines, but I just kind of feel like I've seen a lot, especially on social media more often watching WWE, which is strange because I kind of feel like this is going to be one of those things, uh, kind of like, uh, I kind of feel like this is going to be one of those things where, uh, it's going to creep out on us, you know, like during the John Cena era, how you suddenly had, um, little kids everywhere mm-hmm. it's just gonna show up one day there's gonna be women all over the place yeah and it's not just women and this is what i'm saying about being careful specifically it's the impressionable young teenagers that i'm starting to see a lot of oh, on, yeah. on social media more than like guys in our age demographic or even teenagers i'm seeing literally the impressionable young teenagers like just hitting puberty teenagers like that are really really worshiping hard on girls like Liv Morgan and on Paige. Like, to be honest, when I looked on social media, there were girls, like young girls, you know, teenage girls, they were acting like this was like, you know, the second coming of Christ, this Liv Morgan documentary. Like, they they were so, they were swooning over this shit. You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to discredit this girl. Liv Morgan's great. She seems cool. I like the Riot Squad. But I'm telling you, go look at the Twitter and the social media. There were people swooning over this documentary and they're all young, impressionable girls. And sometimes I hate to say it, but I've noticed it with a certain kind of mentality with women they stay young and impressionable long into fucking almost their 20s if that makes any sense you know and they just yeah. become these really strange marks i don't know how to describe it to you but if you're if you're part of the wrestling communities at all you know what i'm talking about but i've just noticed there were a lot of people swooning over this and i hate to be that that guy but she shouldn't have had a fucking documentary she hasn't done anything yet like why does she have a documentary why did lana have a documentary like we can't just be throwing these out here willy-nilly like yeah like What's her story? She was in the riot squad and then she wasn't and now she is. But no, there were a lot of people that were making this seem like it was this really, really big deal and they were really, really excited about it. Uh and uh I I don't know, man. It's just, like I said, it's a different world out there with WWE and that's the fan demographic that they're hitting a lot of and they don't even really realize it. And those girls almost come off as stalkerish. Like the ones like the Sasha Banks fans also are a little bit strange, the Paige fans, the the, the young girls I notice have a strange way of uh, idolizing the women in WWE that has been done in other parts of culture, like in music and shit like that, but I've never seen it like in wrestling to this extent. You know? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, yeah, I mean, for, yeah, you're, you're spot on. I mean, I did catch it in the uh, documentary. Enjoyed it, but yeah, like, why does Liv Morgan have a documentary? Like, I know Keith Lee's 24 just came out this past uh, Sunday. Like, I maybe, get that. Maybe they, they're doing this because it's deliberate. You know what I mean? Like, maybe the reason why this is happening uh, is because they are trying to reach that young girl demographic with some of these women stars. And that's what's kind of crazy to me. That with Paige, is the, I mean, not with Paige, with Bailey at the time of her babyface run, it was the only one that felt normal where it was like, yeah, I guess that's what they, that's what you would get. Sure. But then it when it's people had, like it Paige and Liv Morgan and shit, it was just kind of like, man, these girls are like, I wonder what's causing them to now suddenly 
reached this uh, younger girl demographic that had never been there before. And if you look at a lot of them, go on, go on Twitter, man. Follow more people on Twitter or at least have them follow you or whatever. When you, You'll see a lot of them. They look like them now, too. They'll look like as much like fucking all of them as Sasha Banks as they can or as, <laughs> as Paige as they can. Or as, you know, and they all are. They're trying to do the Liv Morgan look and they're, having the, they're trying to have the style and the fucking attitude and they're doing little selfies and it's just getting crazy out there, man. Nobody does sound like an old man sounding that way about it. But yeah. it's just what I'm seeing. Am I the only one? Please, somebody reach out and tell me you're not seeing these strange <laughs> young women who are getting who are idolizing in, a, in an un, almost in an unhealthy way. Same same thing with Bliss. Alexa Bliss is another one where it's like she has, but she has an old. She also has like a she also has the, perver, the perverted men fan base out there more than any of the other women. You, know, you got to be careful with her. Somebody yeah, throw her in a trunk or something crazy shit with the way, right now. With the way we get these crazy stalker kinds, you know. You know, I'm, she probably still getting heat for the fact she got engaged, though. So. Yeah, but yeah, it was being reported that there were longtime wrestlers that were shocked that WWE put on that rock documentary because it just makes the company look bad, you know. And then you normally know the part is, mm-hmm. it, it's because those longtime wrestlers still think this is the company with the intelligence that when they first signed. Yeah, like, and, they, they don't they don't realize the intelligence has gone out the window. Mm-hmm. And you're right, Quest. They would. It, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Wouldn't it be better if they use younger male wrestlers? I don't know. In what sense? Eh, it's kind of hard to say. But it's like if you're gonna give somebody a documentary, I like. I feel like the requirement should be they have actually done stuff. Yeah, and it's no disrespect to her, man. It's just weird. Yeah, she's been she she's with what she's been doing as of late. It's the most interested I've been in her outside. Of the, I've been into her outside of the riot squad, but yeah, it's just not enough. Because when you watch that that documentary and you see everything in your career, and you see these other people have had these documentaries, you'll sit there wondering, like, well, wait a minute, how'd she get a documentary? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it just it did it showed WWE just showed the lack of intelligence. Like, why would you put something out there? You showed clearly that you had no logical reason in splitting them up in the first place, and didn't know what to do. And I was like, oh, okay, you screw it. Let's just put them back together. Let's, yeah, and it's weird because, you know, the documentary, it feels out of place, which I expected. But what scared me was that it did have a place. And it's a place that's a different kind of wrestling fan from us. And again, I'm not saying that young, impressionable teenagers shouldn't listen or watch wrestling. That's really up to you guys. But I'm just saying that I'm noticing the influence that it's having on them. You know, maybe I as a male never realize how impressionable at that age girls can be. But the ones that have seemed to gravitate towards Raw, it's having like a really weird effect on them. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you know, like today's Raw is just really weird for girls. And uh, I don't know. I'm kind of like happy I'm not a teenager growing up in today's world, man. The whole fucking thing just seems weird from that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I really kind of feel like they sold out here. Well, that's the only reason they released this documentary, because they, she does have that fan base. She does seem to get over with like these young girls, you know. Yeah. Anyway, just fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's almost nowhere to go there. <laughs> it really isn't. All right. Well, this story kind of surprises me because I had been following this story, but I was following it like outside of uh outside of my uh my wrestling stuff, and it's actually worlds collided here, and it all crossed over into like one big story. But uh, as you guys know, Ashley Massaro committed suicide in 2019 and she left behind a daughter. 
Apparently, Ronnie Massaro, who is Ashley Massaro's brother, was murdered this past November 21st, according to Daily News, at 39 years old. Essentially, what happened was at 9.15 p.m., he was outside of Two Bros Pizzeria on 8th Avenue and 38th Street, and this is where he was stabbed and killed. And uh, this was at um, this was after he checked out of a rehab facility in Riverhead, Long Island, just before he was attacked. He tried to call a friend about 45 minutes before they missed a call. And uh, it's just a matter, according to a friend of the family, uh, they said that he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And uh, I guess the reason why this story surprised me is because I knew about this, because obviously this is in New York. I know exactly what spot this is in, which is what made it get my attention in the first place. Because crime has been up, really, really up ever since this post-pandemic or mid-pandemic situation we're in in New York. I don't really talk about it on here too much, but I'm really surprised. It's almost at the 80s, 1980s levels of crime, like the level of gun violence in New York and the level of shootings. You don't know how many days, because I always check the news, you don't know how many days I get up and I hear about multiple times that someone just randomly just pushed someone onto the train tracks when they were waiting for the train. It's become like daily now, almost. And it's scary because the people really don't show any signs. It goes to show the mental health in society is diminishing. Because in a lot of these cases, I'll, I'll look into it, and the people don't really show any signs. They just randomly just seem that something fucking snaps. And they either slice somebody, or uh, they push them onto the trains, or they do really crazy things. And uh, myself personally, I don't try to say that I'm like a big or, you know, a big, brave, manly man or anything. Myself personally, I'm not really concerned for my well-being, but it makes, makes me overly concerned for my friends and loved ones um, at this point in our world. And, I, and it's crazy just to think that when I remember hearing about that attack, that one was really close to home because I was like, fuck, I'm, I'm always around that area. And then to just hear that it was Ashley Masala's brother, it was like it just doubled down for me. It was just like, this is getting out of hand. I don't really have an, a, a solution or any answers or words of inspiration or motivation like I usually do. I'm just observing that uh, the city has become a really rough place. And I lived through it in the 80s. I lived through some of the worst times in New York in some of the worst neighborhoods. But it's just really crazy and disheartening to be able to see that start happening. And in every way, in every way, it's regressing back to the 80s. They've been hitting graffiti. They've been graffitiing the subway stations. Again, I haven't seen graffiti all over cars since the last time I watched the fucking Warriors. And there's a it's graffiti. It's just, it's become rough. And I think a lot of it, I hate to say, because I think it isn't good to wear it, but a lot of it is not. Everybody's masked. We have all these masked individuals running around, you know, hooded and masked individuals everywhere, all over underground stations, all over busy city streets, all over dark city streets. There's parts of the city I've walked around where I've looked and I've just been like, this is no good right now. Just from my experience, I've seen it. It's just been like, this is no good. And uh, seeing this, yeah, Ashley Masaru, who's her, her daughter's already had like a rough time. Now she lost an uncle. And it's thanks to the carelessness in, in the city. And in a lot of ways, I hate to throw people under the bus. I used to joke a couple of years ago about how unresponsive the NYPD was. We almost made it into a little bit on here, if Dustin recalls, if you guys are listening, recall. In all seriousness, oh, yeah, though, their responses are very lackadaisical and it's very disheartening. And uh, I'm very ashamed of the NYPD. On a real note with you guys, this is a shoot, not a work. Uh, because their focus isn't where it's supposed to be. They're not focusing on the serious shit that's going on around here. They'll sooner pinch like a kid on the corner who has a nickel bag in his pocket than they will these fucking knife-wielding, train-pushing motherfuckers out there. And that bothers me. Because I kind of feel like Ashley Massal's brother's death could have been prevented if it wasn't for us having the cops that we do. And uh, 
obviously there's a chain of command. So they're told where to go and they're told what to do and what kind of things to bust and where to deal with it. But nonetheless, I can't help but notice they're never where they need to be. They're never where they're needed the most. I don't see them on the subway ever. Crimes up in the subway. I never see cops on the subway. I'm on the subway constantly. Throughout the week after I leave here, when I have to leave you guys, I travel and I'll keep uh, freaking NXT and AEW while I have it on my phone. As I'm traveling, I'm watching it. The amount I travel, I never see them in the kind of places where you would need to see them. That's why this happened. This isn't a matter of, oh, you know, wrong place, wrong time, and that's it. It's the matter of that they're never in the right place. I've never seen them unless it's petty fucking crime where there's no danger. And that's really bothering me, you know. And, uh, yeah, I hate to throw them under the bus. This is something that's been on my mind. I don't normally come on here and just uh, vent about real life stuff. But my rule is whenever it crosses over into the wrestling world and into the news and it gets onto the program, then that gives me that window, which is the reason I'm taking that window here. You know, we have a... Uh, a situation that affected us, you know, I kind of feel, I, I really feel bad when the Ashley Massaro thing happened in the beginning, you know, and knowing that she left yeah, that kid behind tragic. and what she's going through and then the fundraiser and everything to try to get her daughter money and to, and we linked it on here and everything. And then here now she has a, she's just lost another family member over the nonsense that's happening in New York that I'm watching day by day get worse. So, uh, just keep that shit in mind, guys. Look out for each other out there because it's, um, uh, it's, it's just something else right now. You know, it, it stresses me out more than I like to say on here. But, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to share that with you guys. <sighs> anyway, uh, also, of course, as always, uh, you know, hearts go out, thoughts and prayers to everyone in the Masaro family once again for yet another tragedy. And I'm sorry that it came from my shitty neck of the woods. Yeah. Because it could have been prevented. It's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. In other news, we're going to stick to the morbid section a little bit here. Uh. Sonia Deville has come up again in the news in regards to that situation that she has going with her stalker. Um, I wish I could tell you that it's good and that it's over and everything, but what I can tell you, which is what I've, I expected to hear, uh, is basically that this is going to be going on for a while. You know, they go back to trial on February 3rd of 2021, and uh, this trial could be drawn out for a while. Um, they said that it's likely to last until at least March 17th of next year. And the trial date will likely be set for, for June. You know what I mean? And that's the unfortunate part a part of why she's probably not going to come by because even for the victim with the way that our system is any kind of court cases that you're involved in drag out sometimes for years, if not a year. And, uh, it's just slow and even slowing out with the process that we have. So that's just something that she's unfortunately going to be dealing with for a while. So even as the victim, you get screwed over because now you have this obligation to go to these things, you know, and uh, it's it's unfortunate. You know, yeah, she was, she's, she, she got a lot. She's, she's unfortunately going to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. It is. Uh, yeah. Like I said, rough, crazy, stressful week. Oh, my God. Who are you telling? Yeah. But yeah, that was those were some of the parts I wanted to get out to you guys. And then, of course, we have the uh, the passing of Hall of Famer, first time Intercontinental Champion, inventor of the Royal Rumble, Pat Patterson. Oh, this one hurt. Yeah, yeah, oh, definitely. Um, for me, I think more than I really thought it was gonna hurt because uh, you never you never realize it. Like I like I guess Pat Patterson has always been. Like, as long as I've been alive, I've known of Pat Patterson being in wrestling. I've gone, this is me, this is me going through my first week in over three decades of uh, there not being a Pat Patterson, you know, and that, that actually bothered me more than I expected it to, 
uh, just because you, you guys know when it came to Dusty, that one, we had like a big send off on here, which to be honest, I, I, I couldn't even, I didn't even have it in me to do that kind of stuff with this one. Um, but I figured that I would talk about it, but yeah, uh, very sudden, um, they already sent out their tribute saying a true trailblazer of the industry. Uh, he was liked, he was linked to many first in sports entertainment throughout the storied career, including the first ever intercontinental title reign and the creation of the Royal Rumble match uh, in a career spanning six decades, the Renaissance man left an and, and indeliable mark on an industry in the ring on the microphone and behind the scenes so uh yeah that was really crazy um and you guys know pat patterson was very close with vince mcmahon he invented the world rumble as we talked about before first ic champion has some great matches out there died at uh 79 years old according to wrestling observer radio they're saying that he had well wrestling observer newsletter saying that he had bladder cancer several years ago and his health wasn't good but he wasn't on his deathbed um, he was suffering from dementia in the most recent years. Um, and he was in, he spent the summers in his, in, in, in Montreal and then he would go to, um, Hallandale in Florida for winter. Um, but when it became COVID-19, he stayed confined in Florida and, uh, he was very close to Savan Grenier, AKA, don't you know, I'm green. Yeah. I never thought about the fact that his name has know. that. I never thought about the fact that guy's name has Grenier in the name. And he said, don't you know, I'm green. Savan Grenier, get it? Green. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, he, he stayed close to Patterson, was close to him. And uh, that basically became Pat Patterson's power of attorney uh, because Grenier's father died before he met Pat Patterson. So they sort of became, became like a surrogate father in a lot of ways. And uh, apparently Savan saw uh, the fact that uh, the last time he visited Patterson, he lost about 60 pounds. And uh, when they took him to the hospital, they found a tumor in his lung. And he had a biopsy that he was supposed to have on December 4th to see what to happen. But he didn't make it to that. So there are the details of that. Any thoughts? Oh, man. And this one, um, I mean, I had um old family who were old wrestling fans back in the day. They used to watch Pat Patterson way back then. So I used to hear old stories about him. I mean, it's... One of those guys who, if it wasn't for him, the wrestling business would not be what it was today. Like, hands down, like we said, there's two things, key pieces to the wrestling world we wouldn't have, and that's the Intercontinental title and the freaking Royal Rumble match. But it's kind of funny that even in the later years, when it came to uh, him and Briscoe being McMahon's stooges, he still still had memories left in him. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's one that sticks out to me. It's to this day my favorite. I don't know if you remember this one. But I think, what did they wrestle? The Mean Street Posse? Uh-huh. And they came out to Hogan's music? That's the first time I heard Hogan's music in years. When that moment, when they yeah. first came out with that. And that became the, the Stooges music, was the, was the Hogan music for the whole Attitude Era. But my favorite part of it is when he rips the shirt at the end and he's doing the Hogan pose that poor JR has to sell it. I haven't laughed so hard. Every now and then, for some reason, that 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 you that video will pop back up. I almost cry laughing. It's so funny, and it's because Pat sold the shit out of it. Like Pat went above and beyond to make sure he sold that entire bit. But it was absolutely fantastic. Like he was such a great human being. Um, it's kind of funny. Sammy Zayn is shared on his um. Actually, it's kind of funny. If you go back and watch when Sami Zayn won the uh, NXT Championship, Pat was one of the people who was out there. And it's kind of funny. They told Pat, you can't go out there. Pat was like, try and stop me. So it's cool to see how many people, this kind of the same thing with Dusty, 
how many people got to have some kind of an influence from him. They got to hear stories from him and just different parts of their career that were probably changed because of Pat Patterson. Yeah, man. Yo, Pat was so fucking funny, man. Like, you guys have no <laughs> idea the kind of things. There were things that he did that it was like was so ahead of the time as far as just jokes that I remember just laughing out loud. Like they used to have that that uh, show, Legends of Wrestling. I wish I could find the clip because uh, him telling it is better than I could ever do. But, you know, YouTube, they probably took it down or whatever. Uh, it might be on the uh, the network, though. But he talked about this one rib that he did. And he never I guess he never told anybody that it was a rib. But uh, at a house show, like he pretended that the board was broken and that he had no control over it right so every time it was time for a wrestler to come out it would just be a random song is what he told them but it was really them fucking with him so like for example you'd have like people who just wouldn't be their music it would be like out like imagine like randy savage or whatever he'd come out the hogan and he'd be and like he'd be a gorilla and, and freaking patterson be like go go just go just go we can't fix it he fucking send everybody out there with mixed up music as the joke <laughs> Man, I lost it when I heard that story, man. Just the way he sending dudes down, then he mixed everybody's music up, and he told them that it was the system that fucked them over. <laughs> oh God! Oh man, he's hilarious, dude. Uh, yeah, those were the days, man. Yeah, no, he had fantastic stuff, dude. Uh, there was recently a story about how, because you know, sometimes Vince is late to those meetings by two or three hours, and uh, there was a story about how. Patterson just had everybody turn off the lights in the meeting room. So they're literally sitting down there in the fucking pitch black just so that it'll be awkward when Vince comes in. Vince comes in and turns on the light. And he's like, what the hell's going on in here? Somebody turn on the light in here. And then he's like, he gets up and he messes with Vince. And he's like, see, you see, what is, what is this, Vince? How do you like, how are you going to come here and you're going to be here three hours late? What would you do if somebody here showed up three hours Like, what would you do if we all showed up here three hours late? Ah, and then like Vince kind of smirked and he said, fire the whole damn room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah uh, man, that was, oh God. Yeah, but Sergeant Slaughter Pat Patterson is a really popular fight that uh that happened. If you guys you guys should look it up, I'll actually link it in the chat room in a minute. Uh but Patterson's had like a lot of really memorable fights over the years and he's done so much for the company. Uh long before WWE parodied him and stuff. You know, I kind of feel like he's one of the few people that the parodies are uh, sort of didn't last as long as the other stuff as long as for me like i remember some people i know there's a lot of people and there's nothing wrong with it they just remember the stooges that said there was the stooges part of the corporation blah 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 but like for me i remember going well before that long past that you know just the story and the history of pat patterson so uh yeah but i mean it's funny like the stooges wanted to be in a blessing in disguise because i mean it gave him something that even newer fans still remembered him for like you might not remember him as heyday or wrestling, but you remember how funny it was hearing him call, hearing him and fucking Gerald Briscoe call him Mister McMahon. Yeah, yeah, oh uh, yeah. Like I said, it was it was really cool, and I think I've said on here on the show before because we're open about that kind of shit. I said that when I saw him on Legends House, I thought that it was very close, and I don't mean to be morbid when I say it, but I told you guys it was like he looked like he was going to be. When I said that about Finley too, you know, like there were a few people that when I saw them on there, it was like, oh fuck. Just because I knew we'd have to have these kind of talks. And I hate to say it, but so far, the order that they looked was the order that they went in. And, yeah. uh, I mean, when you think about it, half that house is gone. Yeah, which is why they probably put them all together in the first place, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely crazy. Ric Flair said the last thing I can remember him saying to me was, she's so damn good. Ricky, are you sure she's your daughter? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a bad line. <laughs> 
Yeah, and Vince McMahon tweeted, Pat Patterson was more than the first Intercontinental Champion and father of the Royal Rumble match. He helped lay the foundation for WWE as we know it. His mentorship shaped careers, his creativity sparked innovation, his friendship lifted spirits. Love you, Pat. We miss you. So, uh, yeah. Gerald Briscoe actually released a tribute video for him. I don't know if you got to see this yet. I know a lot of people did, and I can't play them all on here, but I kind of feel like it's important yeah, for somebody like, like Gerald Briscoe. I have not seen this yet. You work in uh, you work in this business. You travel the roads. You go up and down them. You meet people. You become acquainted with people. A lot of people, a lot of fans, a lot of talent, a lot of crew. You become acquainted with. There are very few people that you can say that you make these road trips with. That after after a few years that that they're family to you. That was family. Heaven's a beautiful place with Pat there, laughing and telling his corny jokes. <laughs> Pat Patterson was just a colossal of, of a character and of a human being in, in our profession. You're looking right now on your television screen at one of the best wrestlers in the world today, Pat Patterson. He had so much knowledge. Working with Pat was, was like working with an encyclopedia. You ask him a question about any time, any air, any, any talent, and he had a story. He saw the history of our business. The impact that he's had on uh, world wrestling entertainment uh, throughout its inception is, is, is so valuable. And to me, he was the most wonderful person and, and the most giving person. Pat was one of those guys that just gave you everything that you ever asked for and, and more. This business was Pat Patterson. Pat was a businessman 24-7, but Pat loved to have his good times. <laughs> Long live the Stooges. All right. You make friendships, and when you make a friendship, you know it, it's true. It's a true friendship, a true bond, because we go through so many rough times on the road uh, and away from your family and your friends. But Pat was always there, and if you were down, Pat could read you. Pat had a special, special uh, trait about him where he knew that something was wrong with you, and he would get out and pull that out of you. Once we win the championship, we'll go over to celebrate, all right? He was magic like that. You weren't a friend of Pat. You, you were a brother of Pat. Whether you you were a, a, a sound technician, a cameraman, or a producer, or director, it didn't matter. Pat Patterson, Pat was your friend for life, and he would stick up for you. There, there's so many of them at NXT that had never had the pleasure of meeting Pat Patterson. And I really feel for those people because now all they have is people like my word and, and other people's word. 
his value will never diminish in this, in this company because there's guys like Shawn Michaels, there's guys like Triple H, so those caliber of guys that pat, pass that knowledge along to. Shawn is here teaching, and uh, as long as Shawn is here teaching, he's passing Pat Patterson knowledge on to these young people. And that's, that's the biggest compliment you can pay to somebody when it's a generation to generation. And Pat will always have that. Pat's impact in this company will never, ever be forgotten. Yeah, so Pat Patterson lost a lot of legends, man. 2020 can go fuck itself, dude. You know what I'm saying? Twice with a rusty spoon. Like, like I'm just pissed off at this point. <sighs> How many days we got left in this shit? <laughs> uh. It's yeah, we almost there. Twenty, some shit. Yeah, something. Not enough. We, 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 I'm gonna need them to speed up. <laughs> yeah, right. Tell me about it. Shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess a really rough year. It, it's it's becoming that way, you know. Like all of the older people are uh, are sort of starting to pass away, you know. Yeah, it's getting to that weird point. Like, just... yeah, to the people beneath our age demographic, I highly recommend, you know appreciate your older people i know it sounds corny now but you're gonna remember that like those stories and those, those legends and those jokes and all of that kind of stuff does not last forever you know actually exactly. you 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 are you're the ones to take those roles you know but uh yeah pat patterson definitely one of the all-time greats oh yeah rest in peace sir yeah so there is some new uh developments in uh baby land apparently how does this work there was like a gender reveal post that Renee Young sent out where you cut open a cake and it reveals whether you're having a girl or a boy. What is this, a magic cake? Uh, basically how it is when they bake the cake. Well, if, if it's, unless this is something new, like you just bake the cake inside. <laughs> this color. is some new unless technology this is shit. I seen before, I've seen some off the wall shit, so I don't know. Can you imagine if you could get back all of your tests like that? All kind of tests. You could get your STD test back like that, your cancer test. Each cake represents what you have and what you don't. What the fuck? Oh, It'd be the most, it'd be the most anxiety-ridden fucking cake cuttings ever. <laughs> you got the oh clap, god, you got cake. COVID cake. Can you imagine that? You cut this. If the cake's green, then you're you have it. You know. <laughs> like you can't. And the worst part about it is you can't even enjoy the cake. I would never eat cake again. I would be a pie guy like The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> and I fuck this. These cakes reveal things. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. I'm in the wrong profession. We need to get a bakery. You mean I got the gout? Fuck it. Yeah, the cake said it. Bet at the Super Bowl, right? What the hell are all these cakes doing all over the living room? Oh. <laughs> One for each quarter, right? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody ever cut the Falcons cake. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Before anybody got to that, some kid interfered and blew out the candles. <laughs> all 28 of them. <laughs> oh, damn. So anyway, they had a... Uh, they have this cake and they cut it and they reveal whether or not it is a boy or a girl. And the cake was pink. So they're having a girl. So they said they give the results to the baker and it's pink for a girl and blue for a blue for a boy. So Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, see that makes sense. that's the thing I was thinking. I was sitting there thinking something besides that, but yeah, like they just only the baker never knows what these things <laughs> If they want to get really fancy, like he would craft like a peanut shaped cake, right? <laughs> oh my god. 
and be like, you hey, you're not going to have to cut this one open to know what you got, wink, wink. Here's such an awful couple. I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, there was a picture of the cake. I didn't bother to get it because I didn't understand the premise. I felt like I'd be putting up a cake on the Tron being like, look, guys, here's the proof. See this cake? <laughs> and it was just like, I, I was like, I'm not taking this picture. You know, but I assure you, the cake was pink. I saw it with my own eyes. It's definitely pink cake. <laughs> I know, right? And uh, Sarah Logan, she uh, actually released a pregnancy photo. I don't know if you saw it. Since we're talking babies, that's the only reason I'm going to bring it up. I only flash it for a minute. That way, they don't try to think. They try to give us any heat for it. Um, you know. So there it is, pregnancy photo, and there it goes, pregnancy photo. Goodbye. I think that it uh, it it's within. I mean, she's covered, you know. It's tasteful. It's tasteful, exactly. This is tasteful. It, 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 it's the freaking pregnancy photos. It's, it's those ones we see before. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is uh, this wasn't done like there was no nudity. Just a tasteful pregnancy photo. Just, just, I figured we'd talk about the death of, uh, you know, that's what Pat passed and talk about a little bit of life. huh? I mean, hey, it's, it's kind of, kind of, um, I, I follow their YouTube channel. That girl has only slowed down a little since she's been pregnant. She still goes out hunting. They still do stuff. So they, uh, She's keeping busy. Good for her. Yeah. Having fun. Very cool. Very cool. So uh, your buddies, what are those guys called? The Little Rascals? Oh, yeah. The Rascals. Yeah. Those dudes. Uh, Apparently, they're not keeping all of them. Uh, Yeah. From what I've heard, only um, Trey Miguel is the only one who still hasn't been signed yet. So we only have we only have I'm literally only going by what they call them in impact. Uh, Dez and Wes are the only two we have right now. Right. And uh, we're hearing he's the one who didn't want to sign. Apparently, it's being reported that he was given offers by both uh, WWE and AEW and that there's a chance that uh, he might still sign with AEW or he might sign with WWE and just not be part of the Rascals. Yeah, which would be an interesting choice. Like, like yeah. why, why, why break off from it? Yeah. Like, maybe he doesn't feel as invested in it, you know? Yeah, maybe I guess yeah, I guess maybe he wants to be something besides a member of the Rascals, which is not uncommon. So. Yeah, you know, too bad it was an established team if they were going to bring them all in together. I mean, when they were in Impact together, he was one of the ones that uh, um, Wes and Dez just stayed, stayed uh, a tag team, but there was a point where Trey had kind of chased singles championships on his own, so it's not uncommon for him, I guess, but I guess he just didn't want to be tied down to the team. Yeah, it's a very interesting choice. I wonder if he's going to still show up there or if he's going to... Uh, or exactly what he's going to do. But yeah, maybe he didn't want to be part of the team. Uh, they asked Triple H about that during the uh, NXT TakeOver Wargames media conference call, and he sort of just kind of tap danced around it all over. He basically said that they're looking for people from everywhere that have um, coming, that they have people coming in with years of experience and some want to be pro wrestlers for their entire lives and that they're open to anyone who's interested in making that dream come true. Um, and uh, yep, that was the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, 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 that's a wwe answer for you yeah so you know he didn't want to say shit about that for whatever reason you know maybe I mean, he found hell, out that he is three do we have three rascals is still a hell of a little combination so yeah so he's trying to decide between nxt and aew so for anyone who's wondering what happened with him and in an update alberto del rio there's conflicting stories now. I hate to bring them up two weeks in a row, but uh, we always have to follow up when there's a contradiction to what we had previously stated. Um, so we said last week that the court case was closed and that it seemed like it was all over and everything. Uh, apparently, we're hearing otherwise now. 
So I'm trying to see what's going on here. Mike Johnson of PW Insider said that uh, the court records indicate that he's still going to be going to trial January 25th, uh, 2021, and that he's going to remain uncharged. Um, and that he's remained uncharged the last week and that he's going to go by the court records. So uh, you have two vo- two conflicting things here. You know, you got the uh, ringside news who's saying that uh, it was all gone. And then you got a uh, PW insider that's saying that uh, there's still a case. So we're going to have to see what happens January 25th as far as that goes. Uh, you know, we the woman did tweet out and apologize. We still don't know the whole details of that situation. So we'll keep you updated. So apparently a bunch of people from NXT have tested positive for the couve all over the place. They said that uh, there was one top star that tested positive. We don't know who it is, but they haven't been around a lot of people. Yeah. They said and I that, heard uh, they weren't they weren't a part of war games. So. Yes, they weren't a part of war games, you know, so we don't really know exactly what who it is. It's somebody who wasn't in war games. It's not considered a nobody. Hmm. I mean, you guys are gonna have to tell me your speculation. My mind's kind of drawing a blank on who that would be. It was fucking, yeah, it couldn't I'm be Velveteen, right? How shitty would his luck be? Oh my god, right? He's all he's got these marks out here harassing him, and then he catches COVID. Like, that's the only that's the only person I could think of, really. Really, him? Like, I wouldn't say Kushida. Like, oh god, who wasn't there that would be considered relevant? Hmm. There's some names out there. It's just like it's kind of hard to pick one, really. We'll have to see who's missing for a little bit while there. But we yeah. did hear that there were more of them. You know, there were a couple more positives after that. So there's going to be a few people missing, I think. You did hear Dream. That's funny. And I just guessed that. Finn? Really? You heard Finn? Oh, shit. No, damn. Well, that wasn't Finn King Quest. Hmm. That's not that good. Case, that'd be a dumbass decision because they sure advertised the hell out of him for this Wednesday. Yeah, you're right. That'd be weird. Yeah, no, he's still, he's still, uh, you're right. He has been out for that injury. So I don't, I don't know. I'd be surprised about Finn, you know. But uh, yeah, that's a rough situation. Holy crap! I wonder who got infected. You have to think about who they came in contact with as well. You exactly. Know? This company has a knack for chain reactions when it comes to that stuff. So. Mm-hmm. It really does. And we spoke last week about how there were there were Impact Wrestling stars who were pissed off about the uh about the fact that they weren't informed that someone close to them, one of the superstars, caught a uh, COVID couve, and uh. We're still hearing that this is the case here where it seems like, uh, according to Fightful, they said the, uh, they have a fly by the seat of their pants attitude, you know, in regards to how they're dealing with this. They said they don't test talent prior to tapings. Their temperature is checked and they have to sign this thing that says that they don't have symptoms, you know, and, uh, that's not pretty much enough nowadays. You can't just say, Hey, you, you have a nice temperature. You, you feeling okay? You have sniffles or anything? All right, go slap them on the ass and send them to the ring. That's not how this works. Impact. So. I can sort of understand that there. I'm not going to spend all day reiterating this shit every week. You guys know the rules. But again, that's what's been happening over there. So people hate Bruce Pritchard. <laughs> what else is new? Lots of people hate him. And uh, <laughs> what do you mean, what else is new? <laughs> I've never liked the <laughs> I've never liked them. I'm not going to lie. I know there are people Sorry, who religiously listen to their podcasts and it's like, Grr. Different taste, man. People might think that about us. Like, oh, God, you listen to Rick and Dustin? Fuck you, do that. A real one. 
Stop acting like a little bitch. No, I'm fucking. <laughs> but it's never been my taste of a show. I wish I'm well and everything. When I listen to it, I'm, I'm, you guys know I'm a cornet. You, you know, if I what, anyone, you know what really, Conan. when that show, that show really started to bother me is when they brought it to the network and he, he hit that one line and it fucked me up. You talk about something. I'll talk about the things they tell me not to talk about on their network, Bruce. Yeah, well, like I said, I, I only listen to really Cornette and Conan. Cornette, I've always been a big fan of, and Conan, as you guys long-time listeners know, so one of the people on Twitter I've interacted with on a regular basis, not really talking wrestling, but a lot of the time talking uh, just UFC and stuff. So, really interesting to listen to, but I don't really listen to Pritchard, honestly. Uh, let's see what we got here. So, yeah, apparently they said that uh, since everything creatively goes through Pritchard at this point, they said... Uh, his words have been described as very much the gospel of Vince McMahon. And, uh, you know, so they have to send it through him and he goes to Vince McMahon. And then uh, a lot of people are getting frustrated with the power that he's getting in the company. And, uh, he, apparently he has heat for this entire, entire thing. And, uh, ringside news had an exclusive allegedly that they said that a member of the team told them that everyone, um, in that position has to be a bit of a bullshit artist and the issue resides in how openly Pritchard plays games with people's lives. And that it was told to them that Pritchard will set up talent. And then he stooges off to, to a story to Vince McMahon um, designated to push his own agendas. And that uh, he'll push people he wants to see elevated and bury others. And he wants to bury them for no reason. And uh, so and apparently they're going to be bringing up more details about how unpopular he's become backstage. This is my pretend shock face. I'm surprised you guys can't see it because I'm not making it. Really, you don't like the way Bruce Pritchard books? You don't say. I remember thinking that this wouldn't be a good fucking idea some time ago. I'm really getting tired of feeling like things that aren't going to be good ideas turn out not to be good ideas. And then everybody comes back and goes, hey, we got something for your report. It wasn't a good fucking idea. Oh, wow. You don't say. They're talent. So a guy who pretty much can relate 100% with a 79-year-old man's booking that pretty much is a yes man. Isn't relating with the younger talent? Hmm. Thought that was going to work for sure. It's like, it's like <laughs> fucking Vince is Dalton Castle and Bruce Pritchard is the boy. <laughs> He's just there to just sit there and look shiny. I, dude, again, I knew, I always, and I've never been a fan, so I'm going to have a biased opinion here, but I, I knew, man, that I was like, oh boy, Bruce Pritchard, like really is what we're doing, you know man. The bad part about it? it comes, it goes with, with Pritchard. It goes beyond whether you're a fan or not. It's just common sense. He sucks at this. Yeah, yeah. Nothing he does ever works out because it's literally, I think I've heard stories of when it comes to like him pitching certain stuff, he'll do it if it makes Vince laugh. I know. And it's funny that we decided, hey, you know what would be better than having Eric Bishop and Paul Heyman on two separate shows, having Bruce Pritchard running both. And so I'm like, I love that this and is Kevin what... Kevin Dunn minus the buck teeth and the camera angles. Like, like I love that this is what... uh what we have going on right now and uh so right now people talk about all their money and their resources that don't mean dick when you got bruce pitcher behind the wheel according to pw insider last week triple h was uh the one who was dealing with raw and pritchard was not and uh, everybody just felt like it was just a breath of fresh air you know like i'm hearing that it was a big relief last week for anybody who was employed by them to not have to deal with him god I fucking called it, man. And I know we've had people. I'm not going to throw anybody in. Well, I know we've had other people on here. And they've sang, sung his praises and stuff. And I bit my lip. And I was like, mm, but I, I, I called that shit, man. When he started getting control, I was like, oh, boy, here we go. So we're hearing, though, that on the that on the flip side of things, though, 
that this job is becoming very taxing on Bruce Pritchard and he's under a lot of stress. You know, apparently in one of the recent who knows what podcasts and Conrad Thompson seems to run them all. But Conrad Thompson somewhere on the Internet spoke into a microphone and said about how much the job is taking out of Bruce Pritchard. Um, and that that's, and he wasn't at Raw this week, you know, and all that other stuff. So Conrad saying that, cause remember Conrad used to have that. I don't know if they still do it, but Conrad, um, on top of having a podcast with like every wrestler, he had one with Bruce Pritchard. And I think they had to put on a little bit of a hiatus for a while when Pritchard first came back, but then he had to put in his contract that he could keep his podcast. So long as he doesn't discuss current WWE with Tom, Conrad Thompson on it was the one term. So, you know, but according to Conrad, he's just really stressed about the whole thing. So. Oh, poor baby. <laughs> what what has wrestling become, man? Fucking the Bruce Pritchard three ring circus. Yeah. And uh we're hearing the WWE sent out um basically a memo, if you will, telling they they reprimanded a whole bunch of talent um leading into Survivor series because they're getting pissed off with talent going over time for their segments and for their matches and things like that. Apparently this has become a big problem where people just take it upon themselves to be out there for as long as they want to do. And nobody really fucking punishes them for it. So nobody gives a fuck. So what winds up happening. And it's funny because this is something that used to happen in the old days, like way before we had like the big corporate WWE. What winds up happening, and I'm sure all of you guys who watch us for a long time realize this, is you wind up with like your main event or your top thing at the at the end of the hour and you got to rush it because the people before you are somewhere in the middle of this card ate more time than you need. And apparently the speculation going around that this is the reason why lately we've had these raws that have just kind of gone off weird and it's kind of been like, that was it. And it's because they're eating the, the time. And then when this last thing goes on, they have to just try to suck up whatever's fucking left, which does happen. It is a known thing. They do have to crack down on that. I can't blame them for any of that. At the same time, I, I empathize with the talent trying to get everything that they can during their segments. You know? So, uh, you gotta try to make, you gotta try to sandwich something out of the horse shit they give you. So, yeah, but you have to have the little bit of time that they want, you know? One day, you got to be careful when you frustrate people because that makes the matches also look bad too when you can't sell. That's how selling winds up suffering. Sometimes you got to remember when you guys complain, you're like, oh, that guy doesn't sell. If you tell somebody that they have to have a match, and this is what happens sometimes in these responsible companies. You got a guy who they got to have an eight minute and 30 second match planned. And then just before they go through Gorilla, they tell them to cut that shit down to four and a half minutes. They already planned the match. This happens regularly. What do these people have to do? They have to try to think about what shit they can rush. And unfortunately, when you're in, they have an agent in your ear and you can't uh, do your own thing, what winds up happening is you're going to sell, you're, you're going to cut the easiest thing to cut, the selling. You wind up cutting all of the selling on the ground. You wind up selling, you wind up cutting all the pandering to the crowd, all the rest holds. And unfortunately, when you're rushing it like that, sometimes it makes the match look unrealistic because then you have people doing, getting their shit in, as they call it in the business, which is they're trying to go for just their high bumps and their big spots that they went out there to do. So it kind of looks like, what the fuck happened? Like these guys just went out there and hammered the shit out of each other. And then one guy got pinned and we went to commercial. And that's an unfortunate element of what's happening here. Uh, so it's like you have to really decide what it is that you're going to do. Is the end of your show, um, you know, going to have an awkward ending? Is the middle, or you're going to have somebody cut it thin in the middle? Um, that's part of being a producer, though, man. Again, as much as I'm trying to make this, uh, I'm trying to break it down. I know it sounds a little bit complex. You know, to me, if I was given that job, the more zeros they put at the end of that check per week, the less complex I'd be seeing me having to do all of this. You know what I mean? Like, as that bank account fills, the complexity meter for me sort of drops. You know, and that's what I don't understand that I know these guys get paid good enough money that they should be able to do this really, really good. Everyone should really be able to come together and uh, do this. Like if I lived 
in a place with all of my friends, all of you guys across the globe, we were somehow by Miracle Local and we all met one day and I was like, hey guys, how would you like to make a lot of money? You probably just say, yeah, you know, like, sure. Let's make a lot of money together. And uh, that's uh, sort of what should be happening. You know, everybody should be sort of working as a team to make sure that this shit works out and it just doesn't seem to. You know, there should be somebody out there. If I told you all you had to do was sort of keep dates and schedules and programs organized and I would like pay you like a fucking high tier salary. Doesn't that sound like a good job? You know, I was like heaven. Like, I'm not even telling you to bump. I'm not even telling you you got to be somebody who's like an authority figure. And occasionally I might need you to bump or fall into mud or into pudding or any dumb shit. Just like, look, you're going to just be on your computer or backstage or anger. You're going to make sure you're going to talk to the rest. You're going to fucking sort this so that it fits into the time slot. You know, like we do in theater. Just weird to me that you can't get that. It's not like they just invented this and it's a new thing. The shit that should be challenging is the wrestling elements of it. Not the stuff that's basic show business. They want to be show business so bad and be considered entertainment so bad. And then the parts that are required to be done, they can't fucking do. Do you think that on a Broadway play between acts when the curtain closes and everybody has to reset that there's this kind of shit allowed? You know, no, you have to be on point. That's the whole reason why we were there for the magic of that. Imagine if you went during Christmas time to go see the Rock Rockettes, which we probably can't do now. But you went over to see the Rockettes. Where is it? On 59th or wherever? Where the hell the Rockettes is? Rockefeller Center. And they just fucked up. Or something was wrong. Or all the Rockettes weren't synced. Or there was one missing. Or no one knew which Rockette would be there that day. <laughs> <laughs> it would be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know, it really would be. So that's what pisses me off. <laughs> what if they just fucked up? <laughs> Like, you just expect it to work. And it's not just us being, like, prudes about this. It's just that there's a lot of money here. A lot of you would give anything for that kind of a job. Because it's not really that tough to do, like... the. the and I'm not talking that the whole WWE as a company is hard to run. But what I'm saying is that the individual tasks and functions that they assign people, interns, employees to, if you take each one and assign it to one person, for the money that they're making, those are not bad jobs versus flipping burgers at McDonald's for way less money. Or working a cash register. Or having to fucking put shopping carts back in the thing when they all slide together in the parking lot. All that other shit that you could be doing. Delivering mail in the fucking snow. Sanitation has to go no matter what the weather is in the stinky trash. Teachers who barely get paid. And I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying it's a function. You either have to, you got to keep the music working. The guy who does that. The guy who has to put the graphic on the bottom. Make sure that the person's the world champion and not the universal champion. Know which fucking belt goes to what guy. The belts don't change often enough that for the money that you're being paid, for the pension that you're going to have, for the retirement that you're going to have, you can't tell me who has what belt. You know how fast I would fire somebody if they fucked up the belt one time? It's not about the mistake because it is a small mistake, but it's about the amount of money that they're making, bro. You know what I mean? There's a lot of fucking money there. You could probably put like your, you could probably put generations of your family through school and shit with the money that they're throwing at people who are fucking up the show. Right. So that's what pisses me off. Of my friend's kids. Cool. So then when you see regular people hustling at their regular nine to fives and shit for just nothing, just to get their paycheck. And you're telling me, you know, and I know people will be like, oh, everyone's complaining and they'll defend them or whatever. The next time you have to do your regular nine to five for your shitty little paychecks, you people out there. Remember that this dude couldn't remember who the fucking universal champion. All he had to do was once a day on a Monday, once a week, make sure that thing on the bottom's correct. Those producers, all they got to do is make sure that the time fits. Type out the fucking time. All I'm saying is, the next time, all I'm saying is tomorrow morning when when some ladies change the order 17 times in a matter of 30 seconds, I'm going to think about that guy who fucked up and said AJ Styles was Universal Champion. That's really comfortable. You know what I mean? Remember, remember, remember how comfortable that dude is. That's the problem. I'm going to be really hard on him because I know how comfortable his life is. 
Well, I'm sitting here with like six or seven gray hairs and not even 30. If you have a job like that, do that shit great. Don't you have the nut? Like, how dare you fuck up with a job that comfortable? There's too much of that going on all the time. People in the truck messing things up, cameras being screwed up, just things being strange. You know, it's for a lot of money. So, yeah, hopefully they're going to do something and they're going to keep this done. That way they have less of these sudden endings that we seem to keep having going on out of nowhere. And the show won't end where we look at each other and we laugh. Because sometimes it used to be like, what? That's the way it ended. Then after all, it became, ha ha, that's how it ended. <laughs> like, we just started making like, up, soprano again. It's like, yeah, somebody needs to grab a hold of this. You know, again, remember millions of dollars, millions of dollars, millions of dollars. We're like, how much we have to go over the amount of money on the line for this kind of stuff? I, I sometimes feel like I've seen teachers in schools put more concern, effort, and stress into making sure that the fucking kids' Christmas show looks good than WWE does with their billion-dollar <laughs> production. You see teachers running around in Christmas time with the kindergartners making sure that the lights and that the fucking reindeer suits look straight on them and shit, going backstage, making sure the camera... Everyone's going nuts. I feel like there's more on a fucking kids, average fucking kindergarten Christmas up. show than on Raw. Holy fuck. Yeah. They're rendering children to tears because they fuck up a line. Somebody gets the wrong championship on WWE should happen. With a big team like that? You know what we could do if we had a big team like that? There's only two of us. Imagine if there was like fucking thousands. We got this shit way more put together than they do over there. Like, good lord, man. All you have to do is assign a function to each person and fucking knock them out with a baseball bat to the back of their skull if they mess up that simple function. <laughs> Drag them out of here. Do like yeah, Burns. Right that, was, that was a Simpsons joke for anybody. <laughs> Remember Burns? <laughs> ugh, ugh, with the baseball <laughs> And the guy's head's barely done. <laughs> In the boardroom, I love the way he walked around the table and went to the. Oh. We need to incorporate that into WWE's writing room somehow. When Burns goes around the table and. <laughs> Get Mr. Burns in there. <laughs> you need a Mr. Burns to wallop these guys, man. What the hell? You reverse the champion. I will give you a thrashing of a lifetime. That, oh my god, I, I don't know why that became one of my favorite bits. Though. I'll give you the you thrashing of is, a lifetime. It's, <laughs> it's because, I think we pointed out the, last, the first time we really talked about it. It's because in his head, he's still back he, there with you. The he's still kicking their ass in his mind, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> what's he say? Smithers, dispose of the body. They're not dead. <laughs> They're not dead. But you know, in his he head, hasn't he's moved. still there. <laughs> He believes that shit more than anybody else. Oh, that is great, man. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, there's been some, uh, there's apparently been some best performance awards given out. I laughed when I saw this. <laughs> I didn't know that they, that this was going to happen, but New York Times has given out some best performance awards for this year. You might be thinking, what in the hell does this have to do with us? That's what I was thinking when this came up. I was like, okay, maybe I'm on, in the wrong page. Did I did I miss something here? So I'm going to bring this up on screen so that you guys can take a look for yourself at some of the choices here for best performance. I probably don't know a lot of these. You might see some that are familiar. You're going to have to let me know. We were just talking about performances and stuff like that on Broadway. <laughs> I see it. Yeah. I see it too. So basically, Le Dinner Debonair was added to New York Times' latest best performances of 2020. That is right. It is officially, according to the New York Times, considered the, one of the best musical performances of 2020. They took that shit seriously. It, look at the things that are up there. I don't even know those things, but those things look like way more serious. <laughs> you know, like, holy shit. 
So anybody who criticized that, you must be. I mean, you know that those marks are, are angry. The anti AEW marks, oh, they're they they are. I could. I, <laughs> I feel this. I, I legit laughed out loud when I came across this. It was like, no way. That's awesome. That's amazing. Hey, congrats to him. Shit. <laughs> okay. So, Holy shit. So let's see what the New York Times says. Have you ever thought you'd be hearing the New York Times talking about the best? Perf- anyway, some weeks the athleticism at this professional wrestling startup is more exciting than anything happening in Vince McMahon's empire. And no one in the WWE has this kid's combination of of diction, uh, Juilliard, by the way, of Long Island, intensity or cheesiness either. Even when Friedman's lost his cool, his nom de ring is MJF. He's still, he still has outstanding control. The character is part heel, part tool, hair gel, loafers, Burberry bling, tacky, 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 and part good fella, wannabe. His mouth does more running than he does. For, for reasons only the producers of this show can explain, a long segment in October between MJF and the veteran Chris Jericho culminated in a version of Me and My Shadow, complete with dancing women and live singing. It was less than spectacular, though not for anything Friedman did. He wasn't embarrassed at all. He was smooth in a way that should worry Ric Flair. This kid makes you want to say woo. So, yeah. The New, the, the, the New York Times likes MJF? Mm-hmm. And apparently MJF put out a letter about this. I don't know if you saw the MJF letter. Oh, God, I haven't seen it. Neither have I. I'm bringing it up on the screen now. Oh, this is going to be good. Okay, what do we got here? Okay, so he says, my grandpa uh, just died of cancer. His biggest love was music. And he led one of the best party bands of all time. I, gr- I grew up going to his house every week. I practically lived there. It was always the same. The day would start off with him reading his daily New York Times paper in the morning as we'd eat my grandma's delicious chala French toast. And then we'd go downstairs and have a nice chat about current events. Later in the evening, we'd get in his car, drop the top, and he'd blast jazz. I'd listen to the Rat Pack era in awe, in awe with him. He loved every second of mine and CJ's rendition of Me and My Shadow. And so did the New York Times. So basically what I'm getting at is Chris, me, and the spirit of my papa would like to say this. Eat shit, turds. So, there you go. <laughs> There's his response to I all. I love that kick of the nuts at the end. <laughs> he grabs you in tight and then. <laughs> Damn. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, after that picture came out that we put up here with all of the different awards, apparently Dion Warwick tweeted and said this photo made me think i was booked to wrestle somewhere almost called my publicist and uh then mjf replied to her and said you better pray you aren't or you'd be in a world of pain princess hashtag better than you damn to Dion warwick damn oh shit you better get him and then she said i have an interview with in style in five minutes you're lucky this time fight and she put a fighting emoji mjf um then said yeah yeah Dion, just walk on by <laughs> Ooh, get him. Ooh, get him. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Yo. Then she put a Yo. then she put a gif up where, where two men are fighting with canes. And uh it said try Jesus, uh, not me. So uh wow. That was a that was a comeback. MGF fighting with Dion Warwick. Is that gonna be a feud in AEW? Hey fuck it, right? <laughs> <laughs> God. Man, George, you don't like him, huh? What else is new? But yeah, so uh <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, shit props to him. I mean, well, you get you get the New York, but you you when you get 
on stage like that looking at you, I, I, I can give a fuck who likes it or not. You're you doing something. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's 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 pretty crazy. You know, I, I think he did good. I think he did really good. Oh yeah, the dude, the guy's been great. Like he's he he has adapted to this role and it's been fantastic everything that he's done. So and that that that, that freaking whole number was I mean and George come on we're talking about a wrestling show. We, we live in an era where freaking Triple H humped a humped, humped a mannequin in a casket. All right. We've been through worse. But yeah, uh, they're, they're all doing stuff not appropriate for wrestling shows. I'm not gonna single exactly. out freaking MJF. Exactly. Yo, we had a fucking on Survivor fucking... Series we had like a person in a mascot suit get, get caught by birdseed. Right. And you're worried you know about the I mean? dance number? The same show where Brock Lesnar was, you know what I mean? Had birdseed on a fucking mascot. Think about that. Well, once you see that, the dance number doesn't bother you that bad. But Tozawa got eaten by a shark and came back. (laughs) Gronk actually did shit. You know? And it was Gulak in there. In that fucking gobbledygooker. You see what I mean? Pretty sure Gulak would be better if he was in the dance number. Yeah, it's crazy. Unbelievable. Hey, good for MJF, though. Yeah. Yeah, no, congratulations. I never thought I'd be congratulating him on that, but de- but definitely congratulations on that. He's been, he been working his ass off, so hey, I give him all the props. Yeah, for sure. So uh, there's just a little bit of news, nothing too relevant, nothing can be pushed over next week. I do want to get into the weeklies to make sure, because there's a lot of stuff that happened in the weeklies. Obviously, that goes without saying that we need to discuss. And then if there's time, we'll hit the news later. We'll see how it goes. But for now, we're going to start off our segments with AEW. Winter is coming. And holy shit, did winter show up. Yeah, and apparently the reason why they're allowed to use winter is coming is because Warner Media is TNT's parent company. They own Game of Thrones. Tony Khan was granted permission in the intellectual properties. He's not a fan of Game of Thrones, but according to Wrestling Observer, his mother loves it. So there you go. Winter is coming for mom. And, uh... (laughs) I wasn't sure. <laughs> what that, but okay. Write it down. Maybe that'll be the winter coming from mom. Coming from mom. We could play that song that Winter used to have in friggin' TNA. Winter. Oh <laughs> that God. shit. I, yo, I forget about that bitch until you bring her up every time. <laughs> Holy shit! I used to love that just because it was so just, so silly. She'd appear in mirrors and shit. Oh shit! A great angle. <laughs> See, we're worried about dance numbers. We have. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. He thought about MJF being a dick. We had we had some chick putting people on the evil spells and appearing through mirrors and shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I was supposed to give a shit that MJF to that dance number. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, so we had the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royale, is what this was called. With uh, I didn't like it. This is the most important thing to get from this whole thing. But anyway, it was a big clusterfuck of a battle royale. The Dark Order at one point saves Hangman from elimination, but then Hardy winds up eliminating him. Matt Hardy. And uh, MJF eliminates Jungle Boy and Sammy Guevara when they're struggling at the top of the rope. They have Orange Cassidy eliminate Wardlow. Orange Cassidy and MJF wind up winning because it was the last two people are going to win. And then they have to fight the following week, right? So MJF gets to fight uh, Orange Cassidy. Yeah, basically for uh, and that diamond ring is on the line. So Right, right. Uh, what else happened? Well, we had Jericho against Kazarian. Um, couldn't have a match here though. There was just all kinds of inner circle drama, of course, with Santana on the apron. Remember, I said when this whole new inner circle formed that I just wanted to be for a while. Don't have this immediately go into turmoil. The last thing we need right now in the wrestling business is to just have a thing that just comes together and then the following week there's already problems and you're starting to break it up. 
God forbid, though, right, that we just have it just hang around a little bit. Nope. Um, there's all kinds of drama. Santana's on the apron, and then Hager's basically trying to tell him to get down so Jericho doesn't get DQ'd. So there's a sort of miscommunication there about who should be doing what. Then at the same time, you have MJF, who's coming from the back of the ramp. He's almost throwing in the towel. And then, of course, you have Sammy Guevara, who comes down reluctantly trying to grab the towel away from MJF. And when he turns around, he snatches the towel. Jericho turns around. It looks like Guevara was going to throw in the towel. And really what happened is that uh, he grabbed it. So now there's that confusion. Um, Jericho winds up winning. But as a result, Sammy salty because, uh, you know, it just makes him look bad. So at the post celebration, what winds up happening is he charges against MJF. We have that all the King's horses and all the King's men moment uh, between all of these guys. And uh, it's sort of like the inner circle implodes a little bit. And I'm actually going to give you guys a little clip here that we're going to share on social media so that you can see for yourself. Hey, stop that. Stop this shit. Stop it. Hey, stop it! You stop it right now! I've had enough of this bullshit! I've had enough of it! This is not what we planned! This is not what we talked about! So here's what I'm gonna do! Shut up! You got seven days to really think about this! And next week on Dynamite, we're gonna have an ultimatum! And we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna decide! Either we work together as a team, every one of us! Where the inner circle breaks up forever. Whoa. The rumor is this entire angle is, is being pieced together to make a, ultimately have a Sammy Guevara face turn. He's the best one. What the, why would you do that? Out of everybody in there, he's the best one. What's wrong with them? Mm. Besides Jericho, isn't that like the best one? And I guess now MJF. Do you want to see a face turn with him? I mean, I've never seen him as a face. It would be different. I I don't think I mean come on Jesus Christ can we can we wait a little bit like everyone's in a rush with this here I'm hoping that's not it man and it's weird because and sometimes in wrestling I kind of feel like angles like this should tease a breakup and then not have it happen don't do like the NWO where every night where they're in the ring all hugging and making up from shit we didn't even know happened but you know like I don't I don't need them to be out here angry all the fucking time nothing like that ever works out like imagine when like when when comics have gotten like that for example it's always been when it's least popular it's always been the sales have dropped whenever you have these these comic stories when they try to shake things up to the point where like the x-men are going to split up or the avengers are going to go their separate ways you can only pull that trigger for a little bit before you piss people off you know what i mean if you go back and look at what was it like a decade ago when they did the civil war and uh the comic oh, yeah. books and you had one well, whose side are you on you were on captain america's side with the t- with the mutants that are uh don't want to register and don't want to be part of this this collective fucking political shield type society. And then you had the guys on the inside, like Tony Stark and all of them, that did want things to be by the books and they want mutants to and and, and heroes and shit to register. And you know what wound up happening? People wound up hating it. Like there was compelling things to do there, but at the end of the day, people don't like the fact that the Avengers are fighting each other. And if you're gonna do it, you gotta correct it eventually. What happens with a lot of these stables and stories in wrestling is that it never fixes. So uh, I don't know. For me, I kind of was disappointed at the fact that they are. Uh, that they're already here we are week two of the fucking new thing and next week we're going to find out whether or not they're going to split up and they're not going to split up next week i think what will probably happen is they all decide to sit, stay together except for sammy guevara if they do want to do the 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 face turn he'll be the only one who's not cool but anyway according to body slam santana wasn't there because of personal issues we don't know what the details were but uh he wasn't even in jacksonville he's probably not going to be there next week also for the uh for the final outcome of whatever this is we don't know what it is though could be something small i have no idea hopefully it's it's cool could though. be a family thing maybe but yeah. this match was actually pretty decent. Um, one thing I loved is that freaking Frankie Kazarian busted out the flux capacitor, which I haven't seen in years. 
this freaking like weird like Spanish fly almost move that he does from the very top rope. It used to be his finisher when they gave him a singles run in like the later days of TNA. To see him break that thing out was probably one of my favorite parts of the whole match. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Very good match. And like I said, that's the one thing that is kind of annoying me. I, I like angles and stuff. I'm not someone you guys know. I love stables. I like angles. I'm not one of those people. I'm so old school that I need all wrestling to be traditional. It's cool with me for you to have drama and angles and storylines, but you always got to bring it back to being grounded. You know, like at some point you got to remember to come back to being grounded. And unfortunately, AEW doesn't do that enough. Like every now and then you do need to have wrestling. You need to have a base that way when you when you uh, exceed it, it's a big deal. You know what I mean? That's how you put things over. By making it something that's out of the ordinary. If, and, and Ring of Honor is doing a better job of that because again, if you're, if you have pure wrestling, when somebody breaks a, a, a rule, it's a bigger deal. It's like, oh, look, they broke the rule. But when it's happening all the time, like it is here, after a while, you just become desensitized to it. Yeah, definitely. And they have enough stables here that they don't need to have internal issues with all their stables either. It's not like the other companies. These dudes have stables. Everyone's stabled up. Everyone's stabled up. Why don't you just have them all fight each other and have different feuds within the stables and shit? Like, there's no need for internal shit like this. Doesn't make any sense to me. In fact, when it comes to it, there's so many three-man stables. Um, I don't know if you heard what is, I believe, confirmed to be happening sometime soon. What's that? Uh, from what I've been hearing, AEW is going to be is AEW is going to be getting trios titles. Yeah, I heard rumors they want to do trios yeah, titles. Yeah, there's so many three-man teams. It's just like hell. Let's give the three-man guys something to work for. Yeah. And I've heard it said before that one thing that Vince McMahon and WWE are good about is they always like a good visual package. Like sometimes that's all it takes for them to sell them on an angle or gimmick. And and I would say that AEW is a stable that now, especially with MJF and Wardlow, they have a very good visual package to them. You know what I mean? They have a very good poster image, very good T-shirt image. You know, the whole stable has a good fucking look. I don't really need to see them out there arguing like a bunch of fucking man children, you know? Yeah. So. Uh, so what happened else? What else? We had the Young Bucks interview. Um, you had the acclaimed out there, Bowens and Caster. The, the, those yeah, are the guys that, that, that the, the, the rap guys that showed up before. They had like sort of the John Cena rap gimmick. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I love how the Bucks even said, like, didn't somebody already do this before? Yeah. And then you had the hybrid, too, who wound up attacking the Bucks backstage. And then Daniels and Kazarian come in for the save. So we're having them feud with the hybrid. Like next week, actually, uh, this Wednesday, we're going to get the Bucks versus the Hyper 2. <laughs> yeah. Britt Baker against Layla Hirsch. Uh, Layla is pretty small, very short. Very I how small she was. As soon as I saw her start working, though, I knew that she was special, though. I hate to sound that way, but yeah, I was like, oh, okay, oh, yeah. this is definitely somebody who's special. I come to find out. Oh, that, she's uh, a beast. Yeah. Yeah. I come to find out that Layla uh, is, they, they intentionally made her look strong. Because according to Melissa, they're saying they have plans for her. So they wanted to keep her somewhat protected in that match. And she did look really good. Um, during this Thunder Rosa winds up interfering. Um, Rebel winds up getting cheap shots on on, on uh, Thunder Rosa. But uh, Layla winds up suplexing her out of the ring during this uh, this whole post-match thing. It's all crazy. It's all crazy chaos here. Um, just having bringing a lower tier talent up, I guess. Uh, Hikaru Shida also. We joked about on AEW Dark how she was scared of uh, Abaddon. And I love how that became like a canological thing in the main story. Because uh, they made her... She's she's even getting scared of her own shadow now in the, in the interviews. I don't know if you you, you saw that. Yeah, but like, she heard... Like, last week on fell. AEW Dynamite, you were confronted by one of the top contenders to your AEW Women's Championship in Abaddon. Yet you seemed reluctant to engage. Why? I'm not afraid. Abaddon wants a challenge. Fine, cool. I mean... She's just a girl doing zombie cosplay. I do cosplay sometimes, so it's normal. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Can we do this again? 
No, we can't. We're on live TV. Oh. Oh. Okay. Uh, I gotta go. Damn. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you heard it from Akaro Shida. She says she's not afraid of Abaddon. I won't want to find no evil dead extra. I can't blame her for that shit. Right? She saw the NXT dragon, George said. <laughs> oh, my God. She wouldn't be as scared if it'd be fucking NXT dragon. That thing only comes out for jobbers. <laughs> That's fucking great. Oh my god, that that actually was great. I mean, uh, you know what I want to do? Hold on a minute. But uh, oh, Christ. But yeah, what do you think of her being scared? I mean, it's convincing because freaking Abaddon is terrifying. Like, I'll never forget the best thing. That probably the hardest I've laughed at Taz's commentary was that first time we saw her in AEW Dark, and fucking Taz didn't know what to think. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm still on the dragon. <laughs> You're going to hate me for this. But you know what I was thinking? Imagine if we dubbed this on top of when the dragon came out. You remember when the dragon attack, what was it, Boa? When he was there and suddenly the dragon was flying all over the Tron. I think I'm going to do this on my spare time. Hold on, I got to get this. I'm sorry, I'm holding up the show again. I know I'm an asshole. Oh, God. Imagine if when the dragon came out with Boa, you got this. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Move it on. Dragon Ball for anyone that didn't get the, get the, uh... the original one, yeah, which. As I actually started, oh I finally started watching it on Hulu, and I was like, holy shit, there's a long intro. But yeah. You ever re- listen to the subtitles of that shit? Yeah. Oh, what a song. What a song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That dragon, right? That dragon scared the shit. It should have come through the screen. They should have used, like, a practical effects or some sort of uh, augmented reality so that those of us at home just sort of fly right at our screens. Oh, God. They fly right at our screens, and then uh, Zylee and... Uh, Boa can do the team pose. Dun, dun, da, 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 dun. Oh, oh, dear Lord. <laughs> oh, that's one of my favorite. I can't wait to see what they're going to do with that because usually after a while they run out of shit. Like long before they've had decided where the angle is going to go. They'll just oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I can't wait to see someone crash and burn. Like they usually just run out of stuff, right? Like they don't know what the next thing is that's going to happen. Oh, my God. I'm glad that he said that, though, that she saw the dragon. You know, everybody's seeing dragons, man. Conan saw a dragon. Daniel Bryan's probably seeing dragons. Yeah, right. He was the dragon. Now he's now he's chasing the dragon. Oh my god! Like what's happening in the world? Oh boy. Let, let's get that. Anyone who wants to see this on social media before I forget to share it. Hikaroshida being scared shitless of Abaddon. There you go. What else we got here? Okay, I already tweeted that out. Fair enough. Uh, Kobe and uh, Darby against Kobe, Cody. Sorry, and Darby versus. Uh, <laughs> Versus Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks. Faces going over here. Afterwards, the yeah, heels pick drop from Allen. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, the heels pick the bones. And Arn Anderson winds up fighting. I'm thinking, oh shit, Arn, Arn. And he winds up getting beat up. And then Dustin Rhodes comes on. He winds up getting beat up. And then Brian Cage is out there. And he's joining his buddies, the Powerhouse, all of the, the Taz people. And then uh, something quite unexpected happens. Holy shit yeah i did not uh i did not see this coming i'm gonna before you play it the best part about this 
it's something I miss in the wrestling world because there was no indication this shit was going to happen. Well, he didn't resign his merchandise. There was hints here and there that uh, there was something that was going to happen here. I'm concerned. Hold on a minute, because this is this is really fucking long. I I don't want to get into the whole after the heels and everything that I told you happened. Let's just start it like right around there. Um, you get a better idea here. I like his music better than the one they gave him in WWE. It's right? Yeah, because it sounds like they're not making fun of the fact that they, they love it. Oh, okay. I like the shirt, too. The shirt's really cool. Oh, my God. Since 2001. And he looks good. The last time I saw him, he was fat. He looks very good. The last time I saw him was a Flair's birthday. He had a beautiful was it Ric Flair's birthday? Yeah, that was the last time I saw him. He'd have his face paint, though. Wow. The fans are going crazy. Nobody's forgotten. He's a legend. It's this man. An icon. Yeah, how cool is this, right? Walking with a purpose. It's very wrestling just cool. And these two have never been great friends. No, sir. But they may have a common enemy right now. I can't believe what I'm seeing, Excalibur. I can't believe... Now, what bothers me about this, and I hate to spoil it, but where the hell are all the heels? He didn't even have to chase them out of the ring. They just suddenly poof, gone. He didn't have to get in the ring and them all jump out. He didn't have to swing the bat around. Just poof, gone. I can tell you this, yes. Cody, other than his daddy, who was his favorite wrestler growing up, He's, they're looking at each other eye to eye right now. Uh, I don't think Cody ever expected this, though. No one did. That was a cool thing, just because of the fact that, like, Sting was Sting one of the people who, like, Cody And this bothered me, too. What a missed opportunity here when he's nose-to-nose with Darby Allin to get the other side of the face. You know? Like, I was thinking, I was waiting for the camera to switch. I was like, come on, this is the shot right here. Get the other side of the face. This is once in a lifetime, the first time they encounter each other. How did you guys not get the other side of the face here? Not even one single angle. I was waiting. I was holding my breath for it. I was like, this is a moment. They didn't get the other side of the face, the painted side of Darby nose-to-nose with him. Come on. So many missed opportunities here, you know. Still cool. Still cool to see him doing this thing. Yeah, here, the other day, I was so, I was so overwhelmed. The fact that Sting was here, I was like, yeah, that was about to change his foot. Sting, this man makes me feel young again, Tony. It's an amazing moment. It's an amazing moment. We don't know when, we don't know where, we don't know why. I just hate that the baby faces were just gone. I mean, the heels were just gone. And Taz knew not to subject him to that ass woman. Yeah, but show me that. Don't just make them suddenly be gone. That's worse than in, 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 in WWE. Was that bad in WWE when Undertaker gets to the ring and all his legends were gone? I actually heard a little bit about why that was, apparently. What a moment. Yeah, why was that? Uh, 
uh, the reasoning in WWE was because they wanted that moment to be just for him. Like, well, then have everybody leave the a, ring first, or have them lined up on the ramp. No, what, what, what I'm saying is, like, when when it was like have it just be him, it was literally like let him have that moment to himself. Was the reason I've been hearing it. Mm. So, what are your thoughts on staying here, the Stanger? <laughs> Welcome back to TNT, sir. <laughs> Yeah, right. Who would have what thought? I like about that, and this is kind of maybe this is just me seeing it. The second howl, something about that tells me that was a slight bit of the adrenaline sneaking out because he's always been very good about keeping himself calm and collected in that moment. But I feel like that second one had a little bit of maybe that's just me reading too deep into it. I felt like that second one had a little purpose behind it. Hey, man, I look at it like this new episodes of Saved by the Bell are coming out. I'm waiting for the season premiere of Punky Brewster and Sting just saved the day in wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) It's beautiful. But yeah, like what I loved about it was like, it's not like one of those other things where you hear it all all over the sheets. Oh, Sting might be going here. Sting might be going there. If you're not noticing some things, you don't see that coming. Yeah. And I think it's also good. I know Medusa uh went off on social media i don't want to read i know it's a, a, a freaking profanity filled tweet where she's kind of upset that the they don't showcase the women her age they showcase men and older men but they don't showcase the women her age and uh she does have a point and i think they should do both probably a little bit harder with, with women but i do think that it's nice that uh you know sting sort of sends a message to people that uh you know if you're an older guy you know in case they'd like to think that if they're one day a 50 year old man they could fucking beat up a brian cage you know but uh yeah sting he's because for him to be his age the dude looks great yeah absolutely looks fantastic uh so that happened and then Britt baker tweeted out i can already tell that me and tony shivani are going to be best friends with sting so fucking Britt. So Britt's ready to make new friends. Smart move. Such a bitch and I love it. Can't blame her for being smart. You pick your friends wisely, damn it. Yeah, good move. You got to play these politics. That's what it's all about, right? (laughs) You know damn well you want the the guy with the face paint in the bat in your corner. Mm Mm-hmm. And this brings us, ladies and gentlemen, to our main event. John Moxley versus Kenny Omega, which, by the way... At this point in the night, you have 945,000 fans tuning in live for the NXT main event versus 689,000 tuning in for the women's ladder match at NXT leading into war games. That is a huge gap right there, folks. We're not talking about just the overall ratings, but just specifically leading into that main event. There was a drop. I believe there was somewhere around 975,000 for the seventh uh, segment, I believe is what I read, which was the, the one leading into this. So the drop, yeah. the the increase of nine forty nine forty five probably came from Sting being there, since they you know since they went from nine hundred seventy five thousand once he left nine hundred forty five thousand for the main event that boost is how they got that draw, you know. Um, and there two things. Uh, Moxley's wrestled off pay per view before, and he keeps mentioning the Kenny Omega Impact thing. Yeah, I'm gonna burst that bubble real quick in a second, but we go get to that. <laughs> <laughs> so you got two V triggers and a one winged angel for the finish. Summarizing, we have a new AEW world champion, and Moxley's undefeated streak is over. Yeah. Now, as far as how the match went, I love Moxley um, pulling up chairs, um, 
pulling up some chairs for him and Omega. Like he literally, they both he thought they were gonna use the chairs to, to cheat, but it was like nope. He wanted them both to sit down in front of each other and that just was a hit each cool other. Indie spot right Everybody there. Hit me, yeah. I, th- I thought that was really cool. Um, Omega hitting the paradigm shift um into the heaters on the outside, you know, um, or getting hit with the paradigm shift rather. Yeah. Um, you know, and which is what like caused the, like check on him. Yeah, which is what causes Don Callis of TNA to doing commentary guest commentary here to show up um show up for his concern of kenny omega which there is a real life relationship between kenny omega and don Callis, so they're kind of using yeah, that in this angle way back yeah they're buddies so don Callis, you know it, it's that's the crazy thing about how they did this angle it's perfectly believable that don Callis of tna would be there impact wrestling sorry but would be there uh because they're just friends and that's all there is too but nope there's actually an angle going on here because don Callis, uh basically plays a factor into this victory and i'm gonna actually show you guys how here for a minute here let's see what we got i'm pretty sure we got a clip i'll share with you guys also listening on the podcast version phone oh, oh good god yeah some impact there well I, I you know don should have stayed away from the ring and i get it i understand it but my god all he's trying to do tony is they want him to stop the match and he's hurt wait a minute he said he was hurt. Omega's got the mic. Omega. Oh, my God. Right between the eyes. Oh, my God. He knocked him out. Well, that microphone. How the hell did that microphone go from callous to Omega? And, I mean, obviously, yeah, something's so happened here. Don Callis slips Kenny Omega the microphone, and he uses it basically to wallop Ambrose. It opens them up and then drives them up. Uh-oh. That's it. Copyright strike. Oh. 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 I love how you took it there. You took it to, to freaking Seth MacFarlane's levels of awe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I hesitated for the third one, but I was like, no, no, it's happening. But uh, yeah. yeah the stink all over it. Unbelievable. We got can we get another look at what just went down? That's what I want to know. I hit him in the head with the microphone. Well, the gentleman But I think it's a setup, Tony. Okay. It's a bigger story. I think Callis has set this damn thing up. We're the, taking advantage of Tony Khan's hospitality. And there's Tony. Tony is barking at Callis and Omega. Don Callis has led a screw job here on on John Moxley that is Allow Kenny Omega to become the AEW World Champion. Is that the only way Kenny Omega can beat John Moxley? Bullshit. Absolute. They're running like scalded dogs here. Where they they're going? not hanging around for a celebration or a press conference. Fleeing from the scene of the crime is what they're doing. Callus. God. What a no good bastard. Kenny, Kenny, Kenny Omega's Kenny, right there with God, us. Okay, guys. Sir, what, what, what did you just do? What's going on? What the hell's going on here? We'll find out this Tuesday night. Tuesday? Dynamite's on Wednesday. This Tuesday, Impact Wrestling on Access TV. Me and Kenny will tell you all about it, Mark. What the hell? We've just been jobbed. Damn. That's the ultimate heel turn. Whenever somebody forces you to watch Impact, I think that's the worst thing you can do to a man. Exactly. Terrible. Terrible. So, yeah, basically, Omega will be appearing on Impact. And I love how George is just like, he's going home. All things in life are... Here's um, 
little minor spoiler with this. This is not going to be a long-term thing at all. Basically, from what I've been hearing, Omega's going there one time. What it's supposed to set up is the Good Brothers are going to come, are going to wrestle on a dynamite one time. And because Don Callis' contract is up soon, he's coming over to AEW. So, yeah, this is going to be a little flash in the pants, but yeah. (laughs) You don't really believe that, though, do you? It it wouldn't surprise me because it's like... It's one time now. Because everything that these companies are doing is one time. Who, do you, who at this point is booking shit weeks ahead of time or months ahead of time? It's one time because that's all they know. They only know what's happening next week. Who fucking knows? They didn't even know that this was going to happen this one time until they did it. There's no way right now we could look at wrestling and just go, well, they said this is the only time it's ever going to happen. So it's never going to go any further than this. Even though Kenny Omega and... uh gallows and anderson and all of these guys between these companies are really really good fucking friends that hang out together all of the time and share their lives together and their kids and their wives and everything there's never come on this is definitely gonna go further yeah i mean Uh, they don't want you to know yet it has to but they don't want you to know yet that's what's happening here i'm gonna make that perfectly clear um Don Callis tweeted and he said, AEW screwed AEW. Hear all about it this Tuesday on Impact Wrestling on Access TV. Thanks for the invite, Tony Khan. So now you get to uh, watch Impact. Lucky you. That was so great. What's that? Oh, it's just, just the way they tweet. Just thanks for the invite, Tony. AEW's account tweeted out and then deleted, which is, I guess, them not showing you their full hand yet of how far this is going to go. But it was there for a minute. And you know how the Internet is. They, they tweeted out a GIF. Of uh, Will Ferrell in that movie, you know what's that movie called? Uh, Step Brothers. Oh yeah, oh, where the two of them are why. looking at each other, and then the subtitles just say, "Did we just become best friends?" Oh, so a- so AEW is saying to T to, to to Impact, "Did we just become best friends?" I think we did, you know. So I mean, I mean this yeah, is happening, that, man. That, that is, works out for Impact. So. It works out for Impact only. They have no presence whatsoever. Like, but uh, can can you make us to wrestle this Tuesday in front of nobody? So. No, he has to wrestle in front of no one. And of course, mm-hmm. you got people in within the AEW roster who, who brought this up. You have new champion Kenny Omega. You're on the watch. I'm watching you. You ran away with that title like a little bitch. With a fucking bullheaded guy that he got all over roses. Like all over the ring. Who is that Wait, guy? Wait, what? I have to. You were you right there. Hold on. Kenny Omega, you on the watch. That is funny. You, you ran away with that title like a little bitch. Ran <laughs> <laughs> with that title like a little bitch. <laughs> with a fucking bullheaded guy that he got all over roses, like all over the ring. Who is that guy, anyways? It doesn't matter though. That was the greatest thing I think I've ever heard him say. Oh, I'm crying. Anyways, but you guys love Kenny Omega. I guess you love, uh, like, little running bitches like this. Uh, I would never do that. I'm not a runner. I'm never, I'm never hide. I never run. I take my fights one-on-one. I don't grab arms. I don't just hold people from behind. I fight them face-to-face like a man should or a woman should. I said it before. Be a man or a woman, but do not be a chicken. And this goes for life, man. This goes for all of you. Do not be a freaking chicken. Be a man. Be a woman. Don't be a coward. Call him a bitch again. Do not, do not be a coward. Do not be a chicken. 
Accept your challenges and face them face to face, not from behind. Not the slimy way, just face it like a man or a woman, like a responsible person. Not like a freaking bitch. Yes! <laughs> that was better than any promo he's ever cut in WWE. <laughs> I love how he was laughing there. So basically, the Young Bucks were on the Living Gimmick podcast, and they said uh, that uh, it's so early that they don't think that any of them collectively know what this whole thing means. That they think that they're just kind of dipping their toes in right now, and they're going to see what they can get out of it. But the, but there's uh, immediate plans that they just can't give away right now, but their dream, if they had it their way, is that to think about um, the possible dream matches. So, you know, again, don't don't go by this one-time shit, man. There's Not with the, with the creative minds that are in charge of this right now you know i i do think that there's definitely more going on here sammy callahan your boy he tweeted out uh teasing a switchblade conspiracy reunion did you see that i have not yeah man imagine a switchblade conspiracy reunion because that's something that i'm quite familiar with and it's something that would definitely make me not watch that brand but yeah switchblade conspiracy was a tag team in the indies czw era style tag team if you like that kind of shit all the kind of violence that those guys had in those kind of matches then i guess this would be your team it's not my taste there was john moxley and sammy callahan you know they're really good buddies and trust i me, always heard they had a history together but i never just knew any specifics trust me when i say that somebody like sammy callahan will be highly invested in bringing someone like john moxley back to the dark side with him for the kind of shit that they like to do more so yeah. than probably even an Eddie Kingston. Like that that is something that he's very I'm sure he is seething at the at the mouth for this kind of shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. So crazy stuff happening in this world. Crazy stuff. I mean to to, to think we might find we, we they they might make impact matter. I wouldn't go that Holy far. shit. But here's a here's a little bit for anyone who's unfamiliar with this team. Okay. Collectively known as the Switchblade Conspiracy, coming to IWE East Coast, it's going to be even a matter world. Because this guy right here is going to go one on one with the Necro Butcher. 20 years, Madman Pondo. You've been living in this mad world and you've done everything there is to do. Barbed wire, flaming branding irons, thumbtacks, steel chairs, light tubes. Necro Butcher, you're in the same league. You guys are legends, icons of hardcore wrestling. But the switchblades we just don't care. You just don't scare us. We just don't give a damn about your legacy in this business. We're going to eat you alive. And Pondo, 
when the new horror goes one on one with you in your happy little birthday match. It doesn't matter what's gonna happen, because I'm not afraid of you, and Moxley's not afraid of the Necro Butcher. You know why? Because we cuddle with people like the Necro Butcher. We tea and crumpets at your birthday party with you, Pondo. You've been in horror movies, but you know what? It's gonna be a horror movie when I bite the lips right off your face, Pondo, and you can't even eat your birthday cake. So on June 24th, at Pondo's Big Ass Birthday Bash. Oh, it's gonna be a horror movie starring the Switchblade Conspiracy. Ah! So there you go. There that is a level happen. of crazy. I can't be in the same building with you. Right. That so motherfucker said, bite the lips off your birthday cake. And I know I've gotten heat in the past, like leg- legitimately on this show for, uh, I guess, my... Uh, my negativity towards uh, a lot of this kind of wrestling and the CZW style and these guys necro butcher myself never a big fan of that kind of stuff you know, i'm not even trying to bam out that's just not my scene man you know i like people cesaro came from there chris hero moxley but i just feel like collectively whenever i've watched that shit i've not enjoyed it at all it, it's not everybody's tastes like it's not a hard concept to understand yeah and i've never been a callahan fan so i don't see I don't. me See me, he's grown on me over the past maybe year and a half, couple of years. But like, yeah, like I, I'm not gonna judge somebody if they don't like Sammy Callahan at all. I enjoy what I've seen him do lately. He hasn't hurt anybody in a hot minute, so I mean, but hey, if you don't enjoy him, you don't enjoy him. It's not the end of the freaking world. Yeah, exactly. So that brings the AEW to a close, and then after they went off of the air, they had more stuff happen. Uh, apparently, with Eddie Kingston. Let me see if I can yeah. bring that up here. Resting some of the stuff between, I believe, him and Archer, I think? Yeah, they need to get some of the stuff on the airways, but let's, anyway, have a look. You're talking out of your ass! What are you gonna do? What am I gonna do? I don't have to do a whole lot. You wanna fight? I can tell you out every time. You think you're being bad, Teddy? You're just gonna happen, Whether you want to or not, whether you go! So Eddie, uh, but what's his name? What's his name again? Okay. I'm really forgetting his name. Eddie Kingston hit Jake Roberts and then uh, what's his name? Grabbed Kingston. Yeah, Lance Archer. Lance Archer, right? We got the butcher and the blade on here. Uh, he's just bleeding into chaos and becoming the end of the world. Look at the Ray Phoenix who shows up now. I didn't watch this ahead of time, but I didn't watch this. Because I all the way. I'll be getting all the King's horses and all the King's men here from all the refs. It's just a big ass brawl that happened at the end. Commentary or anything, huh? They just have like a backstage ball, essentially. 
Yeah, but it's getting more like like now it's like see that's what I mean. Some of these doors, after all, they stop making sense. Like now I don't even know why everybody's out there anymore. It's just, it's just people on top of people on top of people. You did say, and that was according to uh, Wrestling uh, Inc., they were saying that the, these two companies are not to be completely entwined. But like I said, that's to be determined, you know, because at the same time, uh, Court Bauer recently uh, said that uh, in all seriousness, he thinks that we're, we we all see a world war of sorts brewing and he can't say anything right now, but he hopes to be able to say a lot more before the end of the year. We'll see, you know, time will tell how it goes. Yeah, so don't, I mean, this is a big deal. You got to remember that all of these companies are now very entwined with one another. You know what I mean? Like you got people from MLW and, and the NWA and, you know, you have the AEW guys and with mixed with the New Japan, mixed with the Impact guys. And you know what I mean? Like there's a whole bunch of shit going on here, you know? So uh, th- it's, there's definitely going to be more than what you're seeing you know don't just think it's going to be a one and done even if it was going to be a one and done i think that the hype that it's going to generate uh is going to make them do things it doesn't necessarily have to be with impact but even without impact taking impact out of the equation they're they've been making an effort to uh make themselves network with everyone and when you really look at the big picture of all of the the the, the key players even if these companies don't want to in one way or another whether they like it or not whether through marriage or through children or through or through careers they're all entwined now and oh, we yeah. predicted this years ago that we were, this is what was going to happen. This is what the future was going to be like, the different landscapes and things of that nature. So, uh, yeah, I think that you're going to see a lot more stuff like that and a lot more things to look forward to. Uh, I know they're still bad, but they're definitely good, you know. 
and there's WWE in the corner with Bruce Pritchard. Okay, we're going to touch base with NXT. There's not really much to talk about since we already d- discussed uh, the TakeOver War Games 4. Uh, so there's not a whole bunch of things that we have to talk about, except for things that weren't progressed by War Games. One of those things being Kurt Stallion. Have you ever heard of Kurt Stallion? I've heard that name a few times. For sure. Okay, so just before NXT was about to go on the air with their Wednesday show, Kurt Stallion was scheduled to make his debut when this happened. Kurt Stallion, big match tonight. you first in NXT. How are you feeling? I mean, if we're shooting straight, brother, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the Legato boys been running their mouth. Ma- oh, good God. So much for your debut. No. <laughs> Oh, oh, I guess picking fights now has the next feud for them. I mean, I guess. <laughs> the actual Wednesday show opens with the Pat Patterson tribute, like all the shows this week do. Leon Ruff and Damian Priest have the match against uh, Legados de Fantasma. Um, Priest, I believe he throws Leon Ruff onto one of them for the Frog Splash finish, right? Yeah. yeah, they did almost like, like an avalanche frog splash type deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already joked a little bit about it, but you had more of that nonsense with Xylee and Boa and their master, a.k.a. Sifu, which is master. Um, and I don't know, what, what, what were they? They were dunking them in tubs now? Yeah, some kind of crazy shit. Some more ritualistic shit going on with these guys. It may be one hell of a payoff after this, because I swear to God. Yeah. Um, Imperium beat up Everrise, who was supposed to have a match with the Grizzled Young Veterans, but instead Imperium winds up taking their place. This still causes Everrise to attack after the match, right? Yeah, they wind up attacking and, um, and in the DQ. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, not much since we already, we already spoke about War Games. This is all before War Games happened. The Timothy yeah, Thatcher yeah. Thatch cam with Champa happened, obviously, with Champa standing right next to the student, and then Thatcher and Champa brawl, and the student helps Thatcher catch an advantage and putting Champa to sleep. It was all a setup. Raquel yeah. Gonzalez against Shotzi Blackheart, which is what failed against the uh, the main event of AEW. Yeah, pretty much that was for uh, advantage in war games. Mm-hmm. Shotzi hitting the coffin drop um, off the security barrier onto Raquel. Indy Hartwell coming with a ladder to lure the girls from that podium thing that they had everybody from the teams of the war games waiting on. Eel, um, Shirai springing board onto uh, Raquel, who was like halfway up the ladder, and then Shirai's moonsault onto the crowd. That crowd dive moonsault, Shotzi going over. You already know the story of what happened for War Games. Um, the only other news that really came out NXT was CM Punk's tweet that I thought was interesting, where he basically said that everyone else on the show should feel embarrassed and subsequently use said feeling to better themselves at the fact that Pat McAfee is a better promo than everyone on the show. Hmm. Is he still mad backstage? He got canceled? Like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Not entirely wrong, though. So winter is coming. Winter is coming. The 913,000 fans, 0. 0.42 in the 18 to 49 demographic against NXT, 658,000 fans with a 0.16 in that demographic. They haven't moved in the demographic. Everything's the same. Uh, AEW's numbers have risen since last week. NXT's numbers have dropped since last week. For obvious reasons here. We knew that there was hype going into this. So, <sighs> I did a little bit of exploration this week and I watched Impact. To familiarize myself with the landscape going into this new world of crossover. Impact is a really bad show. Um, really bad. 
I couldn't find anything to make me watch this. I know that wrestling's been in a slump, but damn, you guys must be really fiending if you're watching this shit. Um, you had Ken Shamrock and Sammy Callahan who are a team now. Yeah, they've been appearing for some time now. And Ken Shamrock gets suspended from the building. Yeah. Yeah. I have a clip here. Let me. I'm gonna put it on for a few seconds and see if I can bear it. Yeah, that's all it really is. It's a few seconds. Now look at how old Ken Shamrock looks. Oh, disrespecting an official, kind of par for the course. Last week, you guys were way out of line. You with Eddie? You? You with D'Lo to an official? That's too much. You can. You're suspended. Everyone's acting is really hopeful. I mean, one thing thing I learned from from watching this impact is everybody's selling and delivery, their promos are bad. Everyone's sort of acts like they know. You can tell that no one's taking this shit seriously in the company. You know what I mean? They all have a goofy look on their face when they're doing their backstage promos. Like, they all know that this shit is corny. It's a great time. You can do whatever you want there. There's no laws. So this is what I'm doing. We're doing impact. But just look, it's just, it's, I'm turning the fucking shit off. Yeah, the hard way. The hard way. Anyway, so so so, so what you're telling me is you didn't like? <laughs> I can't even remember the fuck is it. Swaggle doing the AJ stuff. No, I didn't. You had Motor City Machine Guns, who that's a great team. You know, I've always been behind those guys. They're back in this company, and they're against these two fat guys. What what was that? Like there's just two random Triple fat guys out there. there. Yeah. You know what was it? X X X X X X X X VII shit anyway um you had these guys arguing backstage over the guy that was trying to kill Johnny Bravo dreamer winds up getting punched out and uh, I don't know I don't know what what what's going on honestly here Renee Michelle Rockstar Spud's wife Drake Maverick's wife is here now and she's with Killer Kelly and she's fighting against Jazz, who I've just seen retired recently. But I guess that doesn't matter anymore, wrestling, because he's Jazz. Yeah, because apparently uh, the whole thing they're bringing. And keep in mind, this is me not even watching Impact in a while. I've actually just been following the highlights and shit. They are bringing back the Knockouts tag titles and they're doing a tournament. And Jazz is Jordan Grace's partner. Right. So Jazz, who just retired, is now in an Impact Wrestling tag team with Jordan Grace, who, by the way, stop out there at social media. Jordan Grace is not Scott Steiner's daughter. Leave that girl alone, Jesus. I hate stupid marks so much. Yeah. Okay, they're uh, both strong. So you got R- Renee and Michelle and Killer Kelly against Jazz and Jordan Grace, obviously, with the, with the latter going over. But I do like how they weren't shy about mentioning the, their participation in the May Young Classic. Every other company but WWE is very open about just talking about where people came from and what they did without acting like it's taboo. So good for them with that. If I had to say one positive thing about this show, um, we had Emma, who's out there. I don't know who the fuck she was out there with. Who was that guy that she was with? There's like some I metrosexual angle going on. They're stylish. They're styling or something. And he, Alicia he, Edwards. Like who, groupie, I guess. I it's fucking know. awful. You have Alicia Edwards who wants vengeance because of what happened to Eddie Edwards getting taken out by uh, Sammy Callahan, which is the same story that I think a year ago was happening when I when I tuned into Impact. It wasn't Sammy Callahan who uh, who accidentally uh, hit Eddie Edwards across the face where he missed the chair and he hit him in the face. Yeah, that last time it was a shoot. It was a shoot, but the point being that then, then now here we are a year later, Alicia Edwards once again fucking angry, and Sammy Callahan took out Eddie Edwards. It's like the same fucking story is going on. That's the only really thing that they stood consistent with. So that was garbage. Um, and she jumps on his back and stuff, and they pull him off. It was just really, I, I don't know. That whole thing was done awkward. Uh, 
it, it was just weird really weird. How they just came back for that story like a whole year later. Like they haven't they haven't been around each other in a year, and then he just came back at it again. Like, yeah, Ethan fucking Page admits that he took out what's his name, uh, the good brother, and uh, he's coming after the other one. I don't know why this this is a feud either. This so oh my god, bro. I I it's like. I don't know what this is. Like, I don't know what, what, what kind of manner of, there's no star power here whatsoever. You have the girls, uh, who are the girls? You have Abby Lath. Uh, what's her name here? Is it Abby Lath? I think it's Abby Lath. That was her name in the Mae Young Classic. I don't know what they call her in, uh, in, in, in Impact. But, uh, Deanna Perazzo and Abby Lath, they're going to Father Mitchell because oh, they want. Oh, she's, uh, Kylie Ray, I think it is. No, no, not, not Kylie Ray. Kylie Kimberly. Ray. Kimberly, right. She was ha- Abby Lath in the Indies or wherever. I know her as Abby Lath. But anyway, her and Deanna Perrazzo, they're going to Father Mitchell because apparently they want to turn, uh, Sue into Susie, which I guess is a nicer version of the, of the version yeah, of her that she it, is. It's basically, um, it, it's a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing. I hate that. And then, and like, so basically she comes to the ring and then Father Mitchell. Yeah, you know the thing about this? That's and, uh, one of the only fucking things in this company has been working. Yeah, that works. Yeah, okay. When yeah. Father Father Mitchell's music hits and all of these brides come out to take Susie away and they're carrying her. And even though there was like a storyline going on where they're uh where 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 they're explaining what the plan is to get to have Susie turn back, commentary's still wondering what this all means. As she's being carried away, right after they explained what this all means, they're like, What does this all mean? What do you think this all means? What's gonna happen? Then you guys watch the video where they went with Father Mitchell and said that they wanted that they think they could handle Susie. I don't even watch this fucking show. And I knew what they were doing because they explained it good lord i don't even remember if anything i might have blacked out after this to be honest with you man i don't remember shit after this i'm being this is a shooting out of work i don't remember shit i don't have nothing in my notes the page literally goes blank after that we're just gonna let it go was that it help me out here george was that it did i just i fucking black out was that that the end of it I don't even remember what the end of this shit was oh didn't they have something with rich swan or something going on there like a match of some sort I don't know, dude. It was really bad. It was really fucking bad. You know what? And here's the dent that they make in the viewership. When we were talking about the 988,000 or whatever NXT and even the 678, we were snarling at, at, at uh, for NXT for the AEW with the 980,000. Um, they did a whopping 166,000 views on Access TV. They did 166,000 views. We're over here like, oh, oh, NXT, you better get it together with your 678,000 views. AEW is looking a little light this week with the 800,000 views. They're up. They're way up. They're way, way up. 166,000 views. I can't wait till Tuesday to see how many people are going to fucking fall on the sword and tolerate having to watch Impact to find out what's going to happen to Kenny Omega. I want to see. I'm so dying. Now that we know that this was 166,000 views for last week, I want to see what that bump is going to be of people who are now going to fucking um, sacrifice themselves to this fucking show. Before you go any further, George goes, they got it free on Twitch, though. So give it credit. They got it you had an actual TV station. <laughs> We're you also right now. You're, you're talking to us free on Twitch right now. Twitch now. Give us credit. We're actually simulcasting in more places than them. Remember that time? Remember that time? Impact got banned on Twitch. We haven't been banned on Twitch. Their site is down. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, I don't know if Tony would buy it, but well, yeah. you know, what is he buying though? The internet, your shit goes down. What is he <laughs> buying though? Who is the star power? Please explain to me. What the fuck would he be buying? I don't you know. know. What? Impact was the one that broke me. 
No, no, you know what it was? It was when I saw Hornswoggle come out as AJ, AJ Styles. Who and is I was their like, top wait, guy? They still have AJ's music. To, tell me, somebody tell me who the top guy is in this company. Seriously. Like, who and, is, and, who? And, and, and when we say the top guy, not the ones that just showed up and just came over like the good brothers because they were Who's considered the, the face of the company? I don't get it. There's no star power here. No one's going to know who those guys are outside of us. Of George, course, we know them, George, but I can't George, count people George, who watch indie stuff people. like us. George, you name five people who are actual talent. Dude, I've been watching all of these companies, including Evolve and PWG and RH and all this shit. I know these guys. I remember Willie Mack. You know what I mean? I know a lot of them. It's not like, but there's a lot of talent there that it's like the point not being whether they can work or not. The point being a draw. Everybody can work in today's climate. This isn't talk about 2016 where we're showing the people that are in work that can work aren't being showcased. Everybody knows how to work. It's like finding bad graphics in a video game nowadays. That shit isn't happening. Everybody can work. Unless you're just digging bottom of the barrel. Everybody can work. So I get that these guys can work. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, who's the star power here? Who's bringing in that 166,000? <laughs> you know, who's the fucking star here? Moose? Yeah, Moose is, the, Moose is probably the guy. This, this, this weird Moose, not the ROH Moose we used to love. There's 166,000 people who give a general fuck about that show. I, you know what I'm convinced at this point? At, at this point, I'm just convinced George has 166,000 TVs. If there was, every last one of them at the same time. If there was an invasion, right? And they came and attacked you just the women's division impact. Fuck. If there was an invasion, right? Everybody hated the first. Remember the invasion with the alliance? One of the biggest complaints, right? And you're gonna you're gonna love where I'm going with this. One of the I biggest complaints with the original invasion was that everyone wanted all this WCW star power, and instead you got Chuck Palumbo and Sean O'Hara. You had, I mean, no disrespect, but you had Billy Kidman. You had like you had DDP and Booker T. That's the best. That was the best of it. From there it goes downhill. Then you just had a bunch of you had you had fucking meat that they tried to get rid of the first time and wound up back with Sean Stasiak after they fired him. You know what I mean? You had like a bunch of you had like a bunch of fucking jobbers. You can you know like get this. If if Impact Wrestling in its current incarnation in an alternate universe invaded those alliance jobbers, the star power would be with the alliance jobbers. More people know Chuck Palumbo and Sean O'Hara and Canyon and all of those jobbers and even fucking meat. Sean Stasiak than anybody who would be invaded. You know what I mean? Think about how much people complained about the Alliance roster. And that roster has way more fucking star power than everybody in Impact. Think about that. I could find more well-known names in AEW Dark at this point. The Good Brothers are about it. And they're not even stars from impact they were stars from other places and they're just, just waiting to, to be able up. to go back to japan they're not sticking around there are you crazy you think that the good brothers are going to stay in that fucking place the canadians oh yeah oh, yeah, yeah, yeah the canadians like ethan page and the one nobody knew outside of impact dude there's no hey, come on there's man. no star power my friend i'm sorry and i'm not saying these guys can't like work the guys, i'm just saying like that the, it's like eddie edwards isn't the eddie edwards we remember eric young just came off of not even getting his own original air, original entrance music in WWE. Sammy Callahan, I mean, it's Sammy Callahan. You guys got to remember something. Wrestling, we're wrestling geeks here. You know what I mean? So for us, we're analyzing the moves, the spots, the selling, the work rate, and everything else like that, the person's body of work. Wrestling as a general form of entertainment isn't about the moves at all. You, you have to not lose sight of what's relevant here. Wrestling is has never been about the moves it is for people like us the hardcore demographic but really the important the, the most important thing in wrestling is to be a draw 
more than anything. It doesn't matter if you can't do shit. If you're a draw, that's all that matters in this business because they are promoters and they are promoting people who are a draw. So, yeah, for us, the people who enjoy that kind of stuff, uh, it's cool that we get people who, who can also wrestle. But the most important thing, I think, above everything is having star power. You need that in order to be able to get your company over in some capacity. That's the reason why you see Legend showing up here. There's not a drop of star power in that company, you know? And that's the unfortunate part about it. You got to look at other aspects of entertainment like that, too. People who are artists that are into comic books and stuff, they could tell you who the artists are that did the comic. They could tell you how the pencils were, the style that they did, even with anime. There's different styles of anime drawing that have different names to it and stuff. But it's not even about that. For people who are really into the lines and the drawing and the details and the way things are done, that's great. But really what's selling sometimes isn't even about the art. And that's really the way it is, because if it wasn't the most simplistic shit, sometimes sells. You look at South Park and Family Guy or basic things, Rick and Morty, sometimes the details and the lines and the sketches aren't really what matters. What matters is the storytelling. Some of the most popular video games have nothing to do with what system you have, what process. Yeah, fucking Candy Crush Saga at one point was the top game of all time. Fortnite, all these games aren't utilizing the top graphics or the best engines. That sometimes it's not about the technical things that make something over. It's just the way you put everything together, the packaging is what works and i don't see anything to package an impact nothing i can't even criticize them there's not even enough material there for me to fucking be critical of like sort of some silly stuff there but at least the old impact you could rib at this is kind of like what there's, 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 it's like I, there's, there's nothing there's not much there i could give a fuck keep in mind happens. whenever i come whenever i come on here and talk anything about impact i'm stretching like i'm yeah, i'm I've reaching just, for this shit i've just never seen such a lack of star power in my life anywhere you know like, i wish them you, well when, but when holy you, shit when you have to watch it every week to see it there, that's a problem. Yeah. Some, somebody could watch AEW one time. You see the star power. Yeah, they were 121 in the top 150 TV shows on cable. That's pretty far back. <laughs> and they had about 3,000 viewers on Twitch, in case you were talking, because I remember you said give them some credit for Twitch. Okay, so now I can give them mathematical credit for the Twitch like you wanted. They had 166,000 plus 3,000, 169,000 views in total combining the Twitch views. There you go. Shy of 170,000. Now we got the actual number for you. Hey, come on, come on, come on, George. You, you, you can't win this one. You can't win this one. <laughs> I'm just telling and, you. And you, especially on, lost, and you especially lost me when you talk about there's only AEW and WWE, nowhere else. New Japan, ROH, other indies. Yeah. His, his response, ROH is crap. Yeah. Oh, okay. Unless they're crossing over the stuff I watch, you'll never see me watch a full impact again. You know, like next week I'm gonna be I'm gonna go straight to the fast forward straight to the, the Kenny Omega, whatever the things that there, there's the a battles. reason we don't talk, talk about ROH. I mean a reason we don't talk about impact here weekly anymore. Yeah, exactly. Nothing to talk about. No. But speaking of ROH, just to get topped off here, we did have uh what was it, Josh Woods against Jay Lethal with the finish being Josh Woods rolling up uh Jay Lethal. Uh I did like when Lethal used the first rope break and Josh Woods is standing over him, sort of chuckling and grinning. Lethal like looks at him and he's like, look at that stupid look on your face. You think this is funny? And then Woods looks at him and he says, you're Jay Lethal. I don't think this is funny. I think this is sad. And then he fires oh. up Jay Lethal and then they keep exchanging. I think there's such fucking great storytelling that in there, man. You know, I love the me. fact that they're both part of Gresham stable, that they have the pure wrestling in them and stuff. I, I think that the whole way that that came together, uh, was really solid was really really solid stuff man that is storytelling at its best it, to me rh right now i know it's a short show and i look forward to the paper rh is my style right now of wrestling and i always wind up since i've been doing this show i always wind up going back home to rh when everything's starting to look grim you know uh, of, of all the american companies right now it's the one that's like going and george a lot more people than impact 
<laughs> oh, there's t- there, there's tons of there, there, we, there's tons of people. Like, come on, you know what I mean. But again, that that's a company that's about the wrestling. You yeah. know what I mean. And like, I mean, you also saw we had a little bit of a homecoming with our wage as well. Yes, we absolutely did. Uh, yeah, which was, somebody came home, an old friend, an old favorite. Mm-hmm. For the very first time, welcome to Trending with Taven. And there's no other person on the face of the earth that I'd want for my very first guest. Now trending, Mike Bennett. Mike, God, it is so good to see you. If this Why table you... wasn't here, I would, uh, yeah, can we I would, I would give you the biggest <laughs> hug in the entire world. I wouldn't let go. I haven't been doing this for five years. I've been doing this since I was 15 years old. I signed with Ring of Honor in 2011. I was here for five years. I've been to New Japan. I've gone all over the world. Me and you. Yeah. We won Ring of Honor tag team titles. Sure did. We won IWGP tag team titles. We've done everything together. Coming back, I've noticed, like, I'm a big fan of the sport of professional wrestling. I'm a student. I'm a fan. So I've been watching Ring of Honor for, God, as long as I can remember. And especially when I left, I kept tabs on you. I always kept tabs on you because that's what friends do. That's what family does. The one thing that just kept coming back to me and kept coming back to me and kept coming back to me was there's something missing with Matt. There's something not there. There's something that I feel like I could help with. And it wasn't because you weren't getting it done in the ring. It wasn't because you weren't getting it done in the gym. It wasn't anything else except for the fact you needed someone to have your back. Yeah, that's true. Living time. That sound kind of good. I was gonna bring this Living up, but time. why did why did Mark Briscoe do a promo you know in front of though? a green screen of his own farm? Twelve time. Twelve time. Couldn't he just green go to his own farm? Like, look at that. That's a fucking green screen of the farm. I guess what I guess with the Rona out there. And I gotta rake my back. You can't go to your own farm because of it. Get the fuck out of here. I was looking at like this green screen of a picture of his farm behind him. I mean, look at what time of year it is, baby. Final that looks worse than time, fucking. Baby, let's do this. What's his name but from now, uh, Baywatch? The music videos. David Hasselhoff. I think he's stuck on hooked on a feeling. Come on, man, you gotta focus. But I know you hard headed. Anyway, anyway. Not only that. Oh man, I love Mark. <sighs> anyway, finally you get Brody King versus Shane Taylor with the finish being Brody driving Shane Taylor down with uh, it was essentially a hard lariat is what it looks like he uses there. I mean, threw his freaking whole body weight and a half into that shit. Yeah, during the match, Brody dropped Shane Taylor on his head with that Death Valley driver in the corner. Careful there, buddy. And uh, overall, that's it. Ring of Honor is always going to be two matches. You know, can't really stretch it out too much. We'll have more fun when the pay-per-views start coming around. I think we're going to have, what, Final Battle comes up soon? Yeah, Final Battle is right around the corner. Yeah, and I only know that based on experience of how many years I've watched. I haven't looked at anything. I just know the, the dating and the timing. So there you go. Uh, This brings us to the end of our ride here, starting with SmackDown. SmackDown with Roman having his promo against Owens, which leads to them having a match at TLC. Uh, Bailey taps to Natalia. Bianca Belair is on commentary. Anything you want to throw in there? I could think about. I'm just kind of rushing through. Poor, poor Bailey's on. I think this is like the ninth match in a row she's lost. I've been hearing. Yeah, she's on a she's on a decline. I mean, she just got off of a run. She was just hot. Has to cool down yeah. a little bit. Six man tag match which was a Pat Patterson tribute match for whatever reason. Daniel Bryan, Big E, Rey Mysterio against uh, Miz Ziggler and Nakamura. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. all former uh, Oregon, in Zane's case, current Intercontinental Champion. Gotcha. Uh, Big E has a new intro. Completely yeah, brand new. Yeah, Wale, and he brought the chalk back. He brought the chalk back. He tweeted and said, I was a Wale fan well before anyone cared to know my name. Eternally grateful to get to come out to a living legend's music. Finish to this is Zane hitting hitting Brian with a brain buster, and somehow um, Daniel no sells this and covers Zane. It's like a brain buster, bro. You're Daniel Bryan. You're a fucking brain buster. There was almost no selling to this. Go back yeah, and watch. What happened with that? That was weird. And it was from Zami Zane, nonetheless. Somebody who has nasty brain busters. Fuck them, though, I guess. This seems to be the attitude. Uh, Carmella. Carmella, Carmella. She lit Sasha Banks up in that interview. She told her uh, that uh, Sasha had to work hard since she was a little girl and grind at everything. Uh, in order to become the best and everything, whereas her, on the other hand, she just kind of waltzed in there and everything just came to her naturally and that she held the SmackDown title longer than all of Sasha's title reigns combined, which there's literally no response to that kind of thing, which I do think is great and I love that promo. However, my biggest problem with these kind of returns, and this is another thing, is almost like wrestling. It feels like the people who cover wrestling or, or put together wrestling nowadays are people who just watched wrestling. And didn't uh, really understand the different pieces of storytelling. Because I wish that when someone came back stronger, they gave a reason. You know, you can't just come back and because you've had it with life, now you can kick everybody's ass. You were a former champion because you were sneaking, because you had James Ellsworth. And when you turned babyface, you wasn't kicking nobody's ass like that. So, sure, I'll take I'll take this ride with you. You're getting a push. I understand how a push works, but make me believe that a little bit. If you're going to come back stronger, give her a reason, a new alliance. You know what I mean? Someone that she's been training with. Show someone fucking standing at the top of the ramp with their arms folded to give us an impression. Was she with this person? Did they teach her something new? Have her break out a move that this person uses, a submission or something that she didn't have before. Where did the edge come from? Just because she's fucking mad? This is Dragon Ball. What happened since you were gone that your anger allows you to beat champions that have nearly killed each other with chairs and with all kinds of crazy shit throwing each other off of these these bitches are practically throwing each other off of buildings. And now you're coming out of nowhere with superpowers and you can take out Sasha Banks. I want this story to work, but you have to uh, send me on some sort of a journey beyond this. Not just that you're angry. And again, that's just a complaint of mine. Uh, we, and only because sometimes you can get that over, sure, but everybody has that. It's like they're too lazy to give anybody a reason. The dragon appeared. No, I don't think that. Like, it seems like anyone who ever has a return, just the fact that they return is their power up. There's not like a story of what they were doing when they were gone or who they associated with or what they changed about their game. Just that they're back now. And if you really understand the art of wrestling, you being gone for a long time and then coming back when everyone else has been wrestling the, the, the whole time does not equal you being stronger than them. That's not the way being staying in ring shape works. That's actually the opposite. You they can't be gone for a long time a and come back and kick people's asses like that. <laughs> ring rust, right? Yeah. So strange. Anyway. Uh, Murphy versus Corbin with the Forgotten Son showing up with no Riker. That's Corbin's new little henchman. I know where Riker was. I know where Riker was too. So if you like main event, you're going to like Riker because a lot of people speculated that Riker was gone. Gunner, formerly Gunner of TNA Impact. Uh, Riker, because of his political views and things he posted about mask and Trump positive tweets, they distanced him from Forgotten Sons. He apparently is the muscle, the bodyguard behind Elias on main event. So he's just been distanced from the Forgotten Sons. And if you watch main event, you can catch him and Elias and their new angle together. That's a great sign for Elias, by the way, that they unveiled his new bodyguard and his new gimmick on main event that I forgot's on. It, uh, they're, they're both 
superstars at this point. They they they're about as canned as impact is to me yeah. at this point. I think well, so. Well, they let the other two guys that didn't have political posts be part of SmackDown, and they helped Corbin cheat to victory there. So that's another thing that wound up happening. Uh Owens and Otis wound up having a match against Roman and Jay. With the finish being Jay was going to hit the Uso splash, but then Roman insists on being tagged in. Uh, when when uh, Uso attempts to tag him in, Owens reverses that tag attempt and knocks uh, Roman off of the apron. Um, catches Jay's super kick into a stunner. Uh, and uh, Roman comes in to break this up, puts Owens in a headlock, causing for the bell, causing for disqualification. Uh, you know, then they wind up beating up uh, Owens with a chair. Then Roman, to punish his cousin, winds up beating up him with a chair. Uh, and this whole thing from the beginning started because of the fact that in the opening promo, Jay opened his mouth and basically accepted the challenge of Owens and Otis against Roman and Jay. And Roman looked at him like he was crazy and explained to him that there's going to be consequences for his actions. These consequences being that he didn't show up until the middle of the match, which left Jay out there having to fend for himself. He did show up late, though, and then he beat up Otis on the outside with the steel steps. Which kind of threw me off. Am I, am I like, is it legal in a tag team to beat up the other guy, the unlegal man with the steel steps because neither of you are tagged in? Can you do that? Like, if I'm playing the game, if I'm playing the game and I'm not tagged in, let's say you and me are a tag team and you're in the ring, I can get off of the apron and go get the steps and just fucking hit the guy in the other corner like that? Nope, even the game will have enough comments. They'll stop the bell right immediately. There's no, I mean, that's the whole thing, and that's the beauty of the games. I know the games are 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 are, are fictional, but it's based on the rules of wrestling. So when we see things, we know what we're allowed to do. You can't just because you're not the legal man go grab the other legal man and fuck him up with steps. That's an immediate count out. And then the, the commentary insults my intelligence by explaining that because neither of them are legal, this can happen. No, it can't. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of funny that that's that's one thing I love about the games. If you're ever consumed, if you're confused about certain rules, try it in the game. Watch what the game does. It's so crazy to me that that like it almost feels like they expose themselves because that shows that no one who actually knows wrestling is actually booking it or they're a gorilla. Because there's no way rules for the sake of the story. That's just missing. You skipped rules. No, Roman cannot come out and go over to the other corner and beat up the guy who's not legal. The moment that he touched him or the steps touched him, it's over. That that was my problem when Roman won the title in the first place. Like, why is it you can come out at the very end of the match and then win? Like, when the bell rings, that's it. It's because people who are controlling this are writers from regular TV shows. No one is behind the helm anymore that actually understands what wrestling is supposed to be. And they just do whatever just looks like it makes sense at the moment. You know, it's almost I hate to say, but I'm com- going to compare it to Yu-Gi-Oh! Okay, if you've ever played the card game Season Yu-Gi-Oh, one, right? uh, no, just Yu-Gi-Oh in general. If you ever played the card game Yu-Gi-Oh, there's a lot of strategy and detail into what the cards do and what you got to do. People put time into their decks and how things. I used to play like on the handhelds, like on the GBA and on the different handhelds. They had like Yu-Gi-Oh games and they were really good. You could like put the cards to like there are ways to stack things. Anyone who's ever played a card game understands there's ways to stack things and have advantages and make certain cards counter other things. And you could do wild combinations. Um, but then if you watch the cartoon, anyone who plays the game will see him do things where you're like, that's bullshit, man. You, you're not allowed to do like that. You just made up some shit for the show. Oh, like that, if that, I tried that to play season one in a nutshell. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you just guys are just making it him sound smart. Like he's putting cards on. He's explaining if I put this card down, it automatically makes it. I'm like, bro, I played that. That doesn't work that way. You, you, it's like, you're not that smart. But that's the whole point. It's almost like whoever's doing this is that style of writing where it's kind of like because it works for the story that it's telling, they'll just allow it. And that ruins the wrestling, you know. Anyway, that was, was that SmackDown in a nutshell. 
that was SmackDown in a nutshell. That was SmackDown in a nutshell. <sighs> anyway, what do we have after this? We got Raw, and we can wrap up, right? Amen to that. Amen to that. Which last week did 1.741 million viewers. Not nothing strange about that. Uh, I actually got to watch a lot of this. Anything really stand out to you? Do you want to talk about like uh? Um, what, do you, what do you got for me? Well, let's see. First of all, um, I do like the opening segment. Um, basically, Orton came out, basically kind of promo saying that he's not a normal. He's since he's not a normal man, he doesn't need a mask to be dark like Bray. I like that Bray came out with like that like Price is Right gimmick. Let's get <laughs> Randy. <laughs> that shit fucking killed me. And then Ramblin' Rabbit Man always got to fuck shit up. I don't know what his problem is. You we're always like, having a good oh, time and everybody's celebrating and we're showing unity and happiness in the Firefly Funhouse and that bastard is coming fuck us over. That's why you kill him off every other episode. As soon as I but, heard uh, his yeah, shit voice, I knew he was going to ruin the mood. But yeah, they basically uh, use this to announce the fact that at TLC we are going to get the Fiend versus Randy Orton. But tonight, later in the night, we're going to get Randy Orton versus regular Bray. Yeah. Which I like the fact that they're finally letting Bray and the Fiend wrestle on TV, even though it doesn't happen too often. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that kind of gives a little bit more to it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, first match of the night, we had uh, Asuka versus Shayna Baszler. Basically capitalizing on more of the stuff um, that's been going on between these two teams, which they also did announce at TLC. Women's tag titles are on the line. Asuka and Lana versus Shayna and Nia. And, uh, yes. Nia. Poor Nia. For some reason, just goes after Lana for no fucking reason. And... um. Not only does she get sidestepped and tossed into the, into the steps, fucking Lana hurricanes her over the table. <laughs> the distraction causes uh, Asuka to roll her up and get the pin. So for the second, probably second or third week in a row, uh, Shane has been pinned. Mm-hmm. So not looking good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, as far as the match itself goes, I enjoyed this match up to the point where the storytelling began. I did like the heel hook knee bar reversal, the transitioning on the ground that these girls were doing. It looked really solid. Um, legitimized both of them as far as all the things they do. They yeah. make them I seem mean, like a joke. Unfortunately, the, it's mixed in with this chaos. But uh, yeah, yeah, great stuff. I did like Basil lifting her out of that hold into the back body drop. That uh, was not. I didn't like Basil is strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very. <laughs> but I mean, this was cool because it's like. It's an it's an NXT alum dream match mm-hmm. that unfortunately just got wrapped up in all this craziness because it's the two most dominant NXT women's champions in that belt history. And Lana's actually starting to get to do stuff because when Lana, like you said, Lana winds up pushing uh, Lana winds up pushing Nia into the steps, which is the first distraction. And when she goes to power bomb her into the table, she reverses that into the Hurricane Rana, which distracts the ref, giving Oscar the chance to roll up Shayna. So good job there, cool stuff. Yeah, I mean it's kind of I, I like this whole thing even though i'm, I'm kind of getting annoyed with the whole spontaneous team things personality wise oscar and lana do mix up very well yeah mm-hmm. but yeah and now they basically also announced later on the night that next week it's going to be lana versus naya so mm-hmm. uh what else what has he got yeah so we uh we had ricochet and dana brooke versus mia yim and slap nuts mm-hmm. but uh <laughs> then dana the kills reckoning again the whole time I'm sitting there thinking to myself, for the love of God, don't let your mask fall off this time. But, the, but, but um, they did expose yeah. her identity anyway because Dana actually uh, in the pre-match she um, she winds up calling her uh, Mia Yim. Yeah, she calls her Mia Yim. Whoops! Nobody can. No, no, nobody gives a shit enough about this gimmick. And when they, they even lose, call them by their gimmick names. And when they lose Mustafa, uh, look at this! All the jobbers going over. Fucking Lana going over. Dana going over. Everyone with an R at the end of their name going over. But, I mean, uh, I'm telling you, like I, like I said, like there, there's no hope in this reckoning thing. 
Daniel Brooks yeah. has pinned you twice in a row. Like, and then Mustafa no. gives a tongue lashing. How do you lose? You do not lose. Like, no, that's all you guys do is lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, up next, we had Miz TV with uh, the guest AJ Styles. Yeah. Before you get to that, though, Miz- there was a backstage thing, though, where Keith Lee is accusing Sheamus of turning on his best friend Drew for the second week in a row. My thing is, why Keith Lee, though? Like, he just got there. He doesn't even know them like that. And he's like, he's not even an angry. He's like, it's only a matter of time until you turn on your friend. What the fuck do you know? You know what it is? I just, I just realized something. It's the only bit of continuity that's retained from Survivor Series because they didn't like each other. I can't. I guess. All right. They we'll managed get... to do it. Yeah. But yeah, um, we had Miz TV with uh, their special guest AJ Styles, this cringy jobber team of Miz and Morrison. I need them to never dance to AJ's song again because they have no rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, the cringy Irish impressions. Stop it. But uh, the best part about this was that uh, after beating up all the heels, Drew throws. Well, first Seamus comes out. So f- first Seamus comes because Morrison and, and Miz are out there making fun of their accents. And then Seamus and then out comes Drew. And don't have him come on that skirt. I get it. I get their their culture and shit. But you don't need to come on. You're the champion. Don't come on the skirt. It's just random. You know? At least not like just randomly. Like maybe the, en- the entrance, okay. But just for like a segment, like no. Yeah. When Drew threw that I chair, know. did it bounce back? What it is, when he, when he threw the case... What happened is it landed just short of the Tron, bounced up and hit the screen. So it hit the it hit the Thunderdome. Well, yeah, yeah, it hit um, it hit that Tron screen in the very back. Yeah, because I'm like, what the hell did the chair? Like, I, I, like... he threw that thing. Yeah, that was my favorite part because it was so unexpected. Mm-hmm. Oh god, yeah. Then we had Kofi Kingston and Shelton Benjamin. Really, really good match between these two. It's kind of funny how much of a throwback this was because when Kofi Kingston first debuted in 2008, Shelton Benjamin was his first feud in ECW. <laughs> yeah, in that ECW, right? In the sci fi, yeah. the fucking time. Oh, when they said that, I cringe just because the historically it's it's accurate, but only historically. Yeah. That wasn't in the like, that wasn't like in the Hammerstein Bowl. It didn't look like, like, I hate. I forget sometimes that, that we w- had an ECW. W-E-C-W is it's so fucking about. bizarre, right? It kind of looked like the match they had tonight. You, you know what the <laughs> funny thing about it is, too? As I, what, I, what I remember about that variation in ECW, this is the funny thing. I'm about to kill some kayfabe for a lot of people. Right. Did you know when they still when they still had the SmackDown fist back then, the ECW stage was just behind that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, they, it was an hour they, before. They just moved it over. Yeah, it was take, taped an hour before before that. So, yeah, what was really tragic. But, yeah, Uh yeah, Basically, one of my two- favorite spots of this match though was a uh, Kofi going for the SOS, and Shelton actually counters it into a gut wrench powerbomb. Yeah, yeah, very solid looking. And then to avoid a count on Shelton, slides in right into a trouble in paradise. Uh, winds up losing the match. And then uh, they basically persuade him to have another match against Cedric. And what is it with this hurt business thing with these guys having issues getting into the ring before the count on and then asking for rematches? Like, don't you know the 10 count by now? It's 10. Get in the ring before the 10. Hurry. Well, it's only the second time it's happened for them, but it shouldn't fucking it shouldn't be two times of having to convince the same team that you can't stay in the ring. And well, blame Bruce. Yeah, yeah, Bruce. <laughs> they could probably count. Bruce fucking can't. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> but yeah, um, then we turns into Cedric Alexander versus Kofi Kingston, which Kofi's actually working with a busted leg because uh, after he counted a money a monkey flip. Kofi landed wrong on his left leg, so he was working with an injury in that one. But um, yeah, after that, in that second match, Cedric goes over with a nasty lumbar check. Yep, and then commentary sucks. They're putting this over. This is a monumental statement. 
it's not a monumental statement. The fucking guy had to fight twice, and the second time he had a bad leg. How is that a monumental statement? That the guy that you're trying to put over that you're saying made a statement needed a rematch, and he had to fight a weakened, fatigued guy with a bad leg. What's the fucking statement? We can beat him with a bum leg. Stop talking in sound bites. I know when commentators talk in sound bites. Don't just say shit that sounds like what you should say. Actually think about what the fuck you're saying out there. Is this a monumental statement or is this just a match that happened on Raw and they cheated the other guy by having him fight twice? That's not what a monumental statement is. I just love what they try to sell this stuff and it's like, yo, what the fuck are they talking about sometimes, man? I think they just take for granted that we're not listening. I wish I didn't have to listen to this shit. Oh, you and me both. So we have the strange awkwardness where you have poor Kofi who has to have two matches in a row, which really doesn't, it's bad booking, not because just that it's unfair, but because it doesn't really get one guy over and it doesn't give heat, it doesn't do shit. So you know what we followed up with? Sheamus, Drew McIntyre have a handicap match against Miz Morrison and AJ. So it's like, what's with all these handicap advantages? We just had Kofi wrestle the two matches in a row. Are they like allergic to just the wrestler, the, the wrestling matches where one guy's on one corner and the other guy and you have a ref in the middle and we have a match? Literally, we went from a fucking match where the guy had to restart the match then have two matches with a bad leg to now a handicap. I just want to see regular matches here. You're not even giving me reasons why this is happening. It's just like people are just deciding that they're going to have fucking cheating matches. In the midst of all of this, unless they were, unless they said it on commentary, there were moments where I forgot AJ was even challenging for the title. It was so much bullshit. It's so going fucking on. weird, you know. And then Sheamus, of course, now we have the story which goes back into the earlier. It's only a matter of time till he turns his buddy because Sheamus winds up accidentally broke kicking Drew in the face with this one. Yeah. Uh, gets caught with a phenomenal forearm, but was, this is part that actually made me laugh. I don't know if this is an Irish thing or what, but uh, next thing you know, they get into it backstage. They start fighting. Who was that freaking redhead that just showed up? I can't even remember what the guy's name was. He's like some backstage official or something. And they just start beating his ass, and then next thing you know, they're buddy-buddy later on. It's like, so, oh, oh, oh. So it's weird because, uh, first of all, yeah, they're face-to-face, and what made it weird was the way they looked at each other, and he said, you know what's about to happen, don't you? And he went, yeah, something, and they're going to swerve us, then nothing's going to happen, they're really good, buddy. And I went to commercial, when it came back, they were already fucking each other up, and I was like, oh, shit, they really didn't know what was going to happen next. They right, like, why the fight starting the commercial? And they start beating up Pat Buck, and he takes a really bad table bump, and then uh, all of a sudden, they just go off for beers, they just kiss and make up, they're like, oh, fella. <laughs> It was strange, you know. I can't say I didn't enjoy this raw for what it, for what they do. It's just a weird show, man. Really weird, you know. Yeah, I wonder if I would appreciate this shit as much if we weren't taking notes and putting together a program for just the strange intricacies of the way they go from one thing to another, you know. Like I, like, I wish, oh, I wish you could have seen my face when I was writing some of this shit down. Like, oh I, my god, it's it's great. That's brilliant right there. Uh, what else? What have we got going on? Yeah, uh, Bobby. Uh, up next, we have Bobby Lashley, Jeff Hardy in a non-title match. Basically, still building up the stuff with. Uh, it looks like they're heading towards like a Lashley Riddle thing because right before Jeff comes out, he's still throwing out his ideas, talking about the Hardy Bros. He has his freaking bro nuts in there. He wanted to offer they're a bro nod. He, he wanted broetry in motion to be their their double team move. He's fucking. He's never making them as obnoxious as fucking physically possible. Um, one. Th- I actually liked in this match. I don't know if you caught when Riddle said it. Um, Lashley had gone for the hurt lock. Jeff tried to roll out of it, and he got him in a rear naked choke. And Riddle was coaching him out of the choke. Oh yeah, he literally said he like the way he was talking. I can't remember exactly what he said, but it sounded like something you'd hear a coach say in a UFC fight. And I liked that because I mean we all know Riddle used to be in the UFC. So yeah. it was actually a really, really cool little little Easter egg moment in there. But uh, yeah, Lashley winds up going over with his hurt lock. I found it interesting that they mentioned Hardy having a 
a busted back from the, the Symphony of Destruction match. But they mentioned it earlier that he hit his head on the steps. But no real going after the head. Right. And I heard no Jeff really say in, a, in an interview recently this week that it looked a lot worse than it felt. I don't think that the bump was as bad as it is. People speculated concussion. He's fine, though. He said that it didn't really yeah, hurt yeah, at he, all. He's, so. he's, a, he's okay. just lucky. He, he, a little bit, an inch off more, he could have really fucked himself up. And, and I think also what kind of helped him was the fact that his head didn't hit first. Like he, since when he hit the table, it slowed him down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I'm glad he's okay. That's all that matters. But yeah, it looks like um, it looks like they're building towards Lashley and Riddle possibly for the U.S. titles. So. Yeah, which is a which is a good build. You know, yeah, I, I wouldn't be I, I would not be against it at all. That'd be a hell of a match. You know, give and it I mean, hey, get real, get real some gold on him. You know? Yeah, do something because I don't want it on Lashley anymore. If this is leading to uh, as long as it's not that Lashley goes over and keeps and he just barrels over Riddle and then goes on to another feud. Like, I, if you're going to have him win, it can't be no one off. Like you got to like ride just for a little bit if that's where they're going. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But then, of course, onward to the main event. We had Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt. Uh, finish to this match. Um, actually, kind of interesting. The lights start to go out. And I, I like how Randy did this. Because it's almost that thing we've kind of joked about before. When like somebody will come out running out and they'll do their move anyway. <laughs> the lights are halfway on the way to going out. Randy hits the RKO. Goes to pin Bray. But the lights go completely dark. And when everything comes on, it's a fiend under under Randy instead of a uh, Bray. Uh-huh. And then basically Bray chokes him out with a mandible claw and they go to the back. Mm-hmm. And that is pretty much raw in a nutshell. Yeah, it was like I said, it wasn't even that it was bad. It was just weird. Yeah, that's a strange experience. That's all. I, yeah. I'm, I can't really complain too much. We have interesting stuff happening. We're not going to agree with all of it. Obviously, raw seems to be the, have the most holes in it. As always, but uh, that's just the way that it is. As far as the, the just before we get off of here, just one thing I wanted to say that came to mind was when I look at the branding of the company. Unfortunately, um, Monday Night Raw is one of those things that just over time, and a lot of it has to do with that powerful time slot that they have. It's just become a thing, you know what I mean? And I think that's really the edge that they're always going to have above everything, above money, above power, above roster, above everything. It's just a weird, almost unexplainable thing. It's like when church is on Sundays, you know what I mean? Or Sunday night football or Thanksgiving it's being, you that, know what I mean? On Thursday with Black Friday. It's kind of like there's just this strange and they're fortunate to have it. They've captured that kind of niche demographic of Monday is wrestling. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter what other shows they come up with, what other things they do. It's always going to feel like the most important and the main show that happens is Monday nights because it's been that way forever. It's hard to look at Monday nights and not consider what happens there more significant than what happens anywhere else, even if it's not done as well. They just have the home court advantage there, man. And I don't know if that's ever going to fucking change. And unfortunately, there is a thing in this world. It's with pay-per-views. It's with boxing. It's with UFC. It's with wrestling. There is a thing that we have in this world called a big fight feel. The reason that term exists is because there are just certain fights. There are just certain events that happen that have an energy in them that's called a big fight feel. That when you turn on the TV and you're waiting for it to happen, you know that this is a big event. This is a big, exciting deal that you're going to be watching this. You're getting your pizza. You're making your food in the kitchen, whatever. But this is going to be more exciting than your usual event. At the end of the day, as cool as all these companies are, there's something about WWE and their big pay-per-views. And when a title changes, such as the U- even the United States title, the Intercontinental title, the women's title, the world titles, it has a big fight feel to it next to when something changes anywhere else. That's something that's very hard to compete with. You know what I mean? And uh, 
even for me, as someone who can objectively look at quality between different brands and see what's better and what's worse, I can't help but feel drawn to the fact that Monday night is when we watch wrestling to the point where we are doing a podcast now in the middle of the night simply because Raw went off of the air before we went on the air. So always remember that that's the kind of power that this company has. You know, uh, we had had someone once on the show that said it the best. They said that when you look at Raw, when you look at WWE, you look at it like when you're a sports fan and you have your favorite team. You know, even if they have their seasons where they're shitty and where the players suck and where it doesn't go the way that you want, you have your people who are fans that they support that team in those good, those shitty times. They stay for years. And that's just the way that it is. For a lot of people, unless you were born like and you're in your 18, 19, 20s, for a lot of people my age and even younger than me, that's just what it is, man. Fucking Raw and WWE, that's the home team. And as much as we berate it and we, we, we give it shit, like uh, there's almost no way to ignore that. And I don't know what would make me not feel that way. You know? Yeah, I mean, but, but basically to make a long story short, WWE is becoming Atlanta Falcons. No, fuck with you. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. It's too easy. It keeps setting itself up. <laughs> I can't believe it. That shit happened again. Because I have friends that are Falcon <laughs> fans, and I'm like, how, guys? How? Yeah, it's one of those things. It's like, we can see the bad in it, but I feel like, man, my whole life, have I ever missed this show? And, and you know what it also is? It's because we know what would make it better. And it's like you hold on, hoping eventually they'll get it. Like, man, I've been Translation, since... we hold on, hope. And Bruce is going to be there eventually. Like, man, I've been watching this shit since before I even had, like, a fucking NES, a Super Nintendo, or any of that. You know what I mean? Like, I've watched, like, this transcended through my entire life of never missing it. From the first episode to now, through all of these different things. You know, you look at that stuff on the network, and a lot of people look at it historically. Like, there's not one of those moments that I wasn't watching in fucking real time. So it's just crazy, you know, when you look back at that. You know, it's hard to, uh, hard to not have, like, that level of nostalgia for it. You know, like, yeah, it's been here our entire life, as Dave is funny. You know, I've never missed it. Like, I pretty much, it's hard. Like, think about people who are committed to just watching shows like Walking Dead or Dexter or whatever their thing is. And they feel like this commitment to these characters that they've known for six or seven years. Like, this has been my whole life. Whether or not they've had five or six years bad, you're asking fans, like, not just taken from my perspective, but millions of fans. You're asking people to to just walk away from something that they've watched thousands of episodes of. Thousands. You know? Collectively, you are going to get okay. stale when you're on 365 or 52 weeks a year. You know what I mean? It's not always going to be great. But it is definitely a testament to, to resilience. That's for sure. Anyway, we wrapping up here? Is it? Yeah, that is a wrap, folks. It was a long one, but it was a good one. Uh, that being said, thank you to everyone. Who decided to hang out, hang out with us during this crazy nocturnal and wild night, including all of our wonderful people across the chat room. Uh, with Miss Lenia T, Willie V2, EB Gamer, Stasis Dreams, Bloodluster, Droop Dog, George, Fear Arms One, Killer Quest, Christian CFQ, Donion Dead, FTO Payer, and everyone listening across all of the podcast apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, as well as video platforms such as Facebook.com and Twitch.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Talk Brunch Live, episode 425, hosted by yours truly, Rick Dara, aka Captain Brunch. For myself and my co-host, Destin Soglow Frazier, we're out of here. And impact still sucks. Ah. Shut it down.